Welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast Show. So today we're joined by Bear, myself, Karen, and Georgie. And this is a topic close to everyone's heart because we've experienced it, as Georgie says in her words, she's been there, done that, got the T-shirt with the bruises underneath the T-shirt as well. And um, it, it's kind of a different topic to how our, all our previous episodes, I mean, the structure of our episodes uh, so far has been having loads of different good a good guest come on talk about the good experiences why they did martial arts but i think we missed a step there uh is that in that journey uh, everyone's experienced some bad coaches as well and the positivity that we want to spread on the podcast show we usually have a guest come on understand their background understand their mindset understand their style but really just like everything in the world is not perfect like that it's not always perfect like that you have a lot of bad aspects and you have a lot of bad gyms to to really avoid so this this topic might sound a bit negative to a lot of people listening out there but we we just want to make it clear that the martial arts community is by no way like all communities they're they're never perfect and and it's really good if you're starting martial arts uh to really recognize some of the traits of um these bad bad elements that you have in bad gyms and really just to walk away and if you're already in one sometimes it's quite hard to spot so uh the good thing is that georgie will will kind of share her insights into uh make references to key fundamentals in psychology uh to reflect upon and sometimes you will see these uh elements applied in in a bad training program so i think uh as an introduction we should start off with what is a coach what what is the meaning of a coach when we say these are uh, crap coaches, fundamentally poor coaches. What is a coach? For me, it was uh, just the uh, Flixbus coaches. Uh, that's what comes to my mind. But I'm, I'm just joking. We'll, we'll let Georgie explain to us what, what coaches mean. For me, personally, my personal opinion, a coach is fundamentally what the obviously people think is a teacher. And when you are a teacher, there's a, a re- responsibility about imparting knowledge and imparting knowledge in a safe and consistent kind of manner that you you empower your student to feel comfortable and safe in the process of learning. So that's quite a wide um, uh, description. So practically as a teacher, right? Yeah, practically as a teacher, yes. In the sense of I'm coming to you, I want to learn something. I want you to teach me in a way that I feel comfortable and competent in what I'm doing. I think uh, in today's generation, we all experience that in some, 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 some form because school is mandatory. You have to attend the school, you have to attend the classroom. You had plenty of bad teachers. Yeah, from our school experiences but I think the difference with <clears throat> because martial arts podcast for a martial art teacher uh, is always voluntary it is very rarely a situation where you have to do it under mandatory program then they're not really a martial art teacher it's something else so in, in this discussion we're, we're really referring to those teachers that you go to on a voluntary basis, that you pay for the classes you attend. So I think the expectation, would you say, Georgie and Bear, is different compared to a classroom teacher? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're 
paying for a service, which is what it fundamentally is, you have a level of expectation that the person that you're going to be working with is competent and is going to understand the rules of engagement in regards to that professional relationship and in that commercial relationship. And what you need to ensure is that the, the lines and the boundaries aren't blurred and, and overstepped. So I think yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, sorry, Kate. I just want to say it, it's I agree with that. It's it's quite a crucial point about lines and boundaries. I mean, with with, uh, with coach, what I expect if it's just a coach, um, you know, because there's, there's levels of coaches, right? So a, a coach, anyone could be a coach. A coach could be somebody just teaching me something, a few moves, or could you know, it depends on the agreement uh, which you have. Um, let's say a coach and a mentee or mentor and mentee. Um, but the boundaries is quite, 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 quite an important part in there and what you've agreed to learn from that coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have got into it with an agreement that I am paying you to teach me something and, and I'm here to download your knowledge and experience in this, in this artificial setting if we're talking about a martial arts school where you're going to teach me and give me feedback in a safe manner and I'm paying you for that and your knowledge and your wisdom. And we, the starting point is that you go on a voluntary basis and you, the objective of going in the first place is to take something away, is to better yourself, as you mentioned. Yeah. Fundamentally, it is about your improvement and your betterment because you're going to someone who has a skill set at a certain level and you want to attain or reach or work towards that level and that's what you're looking for coaching for in order to obtain and achieve that specific level uh in that particular skill set and people often forget that don't they absolutely i completely agree i completely do believe that um you go in there expecting one thing, but and that's your expectation, but it can be easy, easily forgotten in the shuffle uh, of many, many things. Or you go, you can be, interestingly, so committed to so committed to achieving the skill, you overlook certain things, or you choose to have cognitive dissonance in regards to how the, the steps and the process of in order to achieve that particular skill set you believe you have to have. So <clears throat> you go there with an objective of getting uh, a, an advantage in your skill set, um, attaining some kind of skill from it. You don't go there to please the class and you don't go there to please the tutor because that would be backwards, right? Because that would be forgetting why you're there in the first place. Absolutely, I completely agree. It would be you would be negating what you're going there for. If you're going there to please the teacher and you're not going there to please yourself, why are you going? Why are you doing that to yourself? Because then you forget yourself as an individual and what your wants and your needs are in order to uh satisfy the needs of, of another person, another person who up until that moment you made a decision to work with them and join them, you never even gave a second thought about. But it's easily done. It's easily done because when you go there as a student, if it's a um, long-term established place, uh, there's established rules and there's its own subset 
um, rules and behavior and what's mm-hmm. expected there. So you don't get to have much of a say, I find, right? When you go to I, school. Yeah, I agree with you. I think fundamentally in a lot of these, a lot of um, toxic schools or a toxic, what starts off as one thing but ends up being toxic, you leave your objectivity the moment you step through that door. The objectivity, the sense of perspective, being able to view things from a 300 foot position all seems to vanish the moment you step through that door. And that is the dangerous thing that it can be, like I say, easily forgotten in the shuffle of achieving a skill in a martial arts setting. When you go to someone more experienced, you should go there with an empty cup. So you shouldn't go there with a full cup. But I find there's a balance in that, right? I think going there with an empty cup is fine, but you have to remember why you're going there in the first place. Yeah. Completely agree. I love the analogy of the empty cup because, mm-hmm. but the thing is, you have to remember with the empty cup, yeah, if you're too empty in an empty cup, you can be filled. And if you can be filled, you may not be filled with what you think you what you think you went in there for Ooh. or what you think is good for you. You could yeah. be filled. What you're what you're going, if you think of the whole Bruce Lee analogy of being like water, water can become the cup, right? But if that water is poisoned. And you're the empty cup. You're being filled with poisoned water. Yeah, I mean, so, well, sorry, Bruce, Bruce Lee is um, a weird topic because uh, his whole idea of Jeet Kune Do is to find yourself and be the master of your own martial art rather than be a student of a set of martial arts. And he kind of tries to um, have that philosophy of having the freedom. That's yeah. why, like, a lot of people believe that. His mindset is very close to mixed martial arts, where you're yes. not worshipping one set, one subset of martial arts, but yeah. you're actually trying to benefit yourself to your own, uh, what you need, your own requirements and your own characteristics. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. That is beautiful. That is that that makes a lot of perfect sense. But, but like I've said just a few moments ago, if you're going in there and you're the empty cup, be careful, be careful of the liquid that you choose to have filled in it. Be, care, be careful of what's poured into your you into you as the empty cup. Yeah, but this is this is really deep and profound, actually, Georgie. Because I mean, it, this is something most people don't realize or are aware of if when they join a martial arts club, you know, or a specific style. Because you know, in any style you do. You know, you you go there with an empty cup. Let's say you are you do have an empty cup, and you just go in there just to learn. And then you've got many styles, and there's no criticism to any styles. That the coaches depends on the coach. They will try to convince you that their style is the only style, the best style, and there's no other style, <laughs> which mm, is you know true. compared to theirs. So <laughs> my style is better than your style. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. Much so. <laughs> Every single Hong Kong movie I've ever watched from the age of five. So, but very true. That's very true. There is um, um, there is a sense of trying to convince you, and I know we're going to talk about it earlier, later. Sorry, later. There is a sense of love bombing you, which is a, an influential tactics that's used in all sorts of settings in order to sway you or or sort of sort of romance you not in a literal sense but sub- support a sort of romance you into 
going down a particular path and way of thinking, especially in regards to a martial arts style, and believing that is the only and the best style available when there are so many others that you can you can you can try and find which may be the best more better suited for you. You have to have some kind of benchmark on comparison. That's really hard if you've never done martial arts before. I mean, some, some of the styles, especially the traditional styles, says that they prefer to have someone mastery at one thing rather than not be a master at different things. But I think that's an ego issue of why you mm. want to be a master in the first place. So one of my favorite martial artists of all time, George St. Pierre, he doesn't call mm. himself a master. He's going to smash your master's face in if he wanted to. But he doesn't call himself the master. He calls himself the student of the art. And he's a true student of the art. He doesn't mm. have an ego issue, George St. Pierre. Mm. Um, he enjoys training different styles. He's open-minded. He, he started off karate. He still likes karate, trains karate every day. He tried Brazilian jiu-jitsu, became master that. Like, he had mastery at that as well. So he's a real student to the game. And um, back to bear's point if if you only do one style you, you don't really know what style suits you you kind of exactly. have an introspective view and tunnel vision yeah your world view is just your world view is created and surrounded by and and i'm going to use the expression fenced in by that particular <laughs> particular style because you haven't looked and ventured anywhere anywhere else fundamentally they it's, in, it's a form of in mental imprisonment, I think, fundamentally. It's a form of imprisonment because you're so, you like you say, so tunnel visioned into this particular style and way of thinking and this is how the rules are of this particular place. You don't actually get out and see what else is out there. And if you're not getting out there to see what else is out there and you are the empty cup, and I keep coming back to that point, yeah, what are you being filled with? Is what you be is what you are being filled with actually good for you? As a person, does it enrich you? Does it make you happy? Does it give you a sense of fulfillment in that you are achieving something and flourishing something within yourself that you've had held dormant? Yeah, those are some really good points. So going back to the question. What is a coach? Coach is essentially a teacher. And going back to Kay's point, <clears throat> um, especially uh, Kay's point, I'm going crazy now, Bear's point. <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right now? Bear's to do some editing, Bear. You're Bear now. I'm Kay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that what I was. <laughs> so going back to Bear's point, um, Bear's done karate before, right? And you you've had a sensei before sensei in the japanese term means teacher so if a, a young student if a young kid went into their normal day-to-day -day school they, they go to their normal school they go to classroom environment that classroom teacher instructor in that local language is called a sensei but i think sensei from a martial art perspective is much more richer in meaning it's got like a specified position mm. and is I, I'm not going to quash the culture uh, 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 or be completely against it. There's, there's room for from both sides of the argument. But why, why we even have a special position to start with is quite dangerous if, it's, if that position is not run properly. 
Yeah, um, and then again, this goes back to George's point about what you, what's been filled in. So, and how's it enriching you? How's it enriching your life? Are you, you know, how what's, what kind of person you're becoming by uh, studying that style? You know, um, so yeah, as you said, Kay, um, there's you know there's arguments on both sides, and and for me, I can see both of them because I've been in in that traditional setting setting of you know doing karate one style uh but our, our senseis also introduced judo for us um and they also introduced sort of yogic breathing uh in that so they were quite open to adding um different styles or as like a complementary to the tradition or complementing the tradition um you know so it, it really depends and what, what you 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 as a student, as a martial artist, what are you in there for? Like Georgie said, you know, why are you going in there? Are you just doing it as an ass? Like I, I probably have expressed this before, okay, that I really wanted to do kendo. <laughs> it's one of my fantasies to be in that costume and do kendo. And I didn't want to do kendo. <laughs> and I didn't want to be a master at it. Yeah, like Star Wars, basically. So, and, and I just wanted to do it. And I have not done it yet, but, you know, uh, you know, so it's one of those things where why do you really want to do it? Do you want to do it because other people are doing it? Do you want to do it because you want to fulfill something? You want to like learn something new, a style, an art, a practice um, for your health, for your mind, for your soul? Um, you know, what are you looking to, to achieve from that? And if you're just looking to achieve black belt, you know, um, <laughs> Well, that's another story, right? <laughs> no, what does that, that say? that's a good point. You should do it because you want to do it, not because yeah. uh, you go to school and you're cemented in silly ideas, uh, yeah. and then you're forced yeah. to, to to carry on a track, which is uh, ultimately wasting time. I mean, time is precious. You only have this one life, and yeah. life is bigger than martial arts. Is like even though this is a martial art podcast show, life is like bigger than that, and I think that martial arts can help steer your life and enrich your life like you said mindset happiness training health uh, combat skills self-defense these are all things that enrich your life but if those things aren't met then you should really jump school and this is like the traitor mm-hmm. me coming out you know? <laughs> all the martial arts schools listening be like this damn traitor you know? <laughs> but it's, like, it's fine to be a traitor like bruce lee was called a traitor because he did several different martial arts Wing Chun was just one of them was just one of them he did other styles as well he did other Kung Fu styles he tried fencing he tried he studied he didn't really undertake properly but he studied other martial arts like judo boxing kickboxing so he he was a student of the art martial arts as a whole not Mm. as just one rigid school and that's really Mm. important and now that you mentioned karate quickly cover that as well what that so like bear like you, you did karate what is a black belt it's well if i can articulate it perhaps uh maybe george you can then um better that um uh, my, my, my description of it but my, my understanding of black belt is that you've gone through um a set of protocols um and, and techniques and work and committees and sparring and, and you've, you've gone through this uh, entire journey of achieving a certain standard and certain level of martial arts. 
which is then complemented with a black belt. That's an achievement to reach that stage where you're able to coach others. You're able to be in a position where you can guide others in that style. Mm. And it's not about just the kumite, it's not about the tournaments or just the katas. It's, it's, it's a combination of everything that you you are the role model for other students and where you can guide them to better themselves. Uh, that's my uh, loose understanding of it. Yeah, I asked that question with a bit of, you can hear the tone, a bit of hatred, because <laughs> I, I actually really like karate. And, and I'm speaking on behalf of, like, say, Claudia as well. You did a podcast um, the other week yeah. where you have a true black belt. You have a true instructor. The guy can yeah. split pebbles with his hands. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. possible. <laughs> that was a TV trick, you know. So you have yeah. these amazing people. And um, Georgia and I, you know, we understand from a generation past where there was an old myth where if you was a karate black belt and the police knows about it, they keep an eye on you. Because they know that this guy, you can't hold him down. Or, or he's armed. You can hold him down. You can hold anyone. You can hold an elephant down if you want to. But a guy with a karate black belt is the yeah. equivalent of someone armed, even though he's unarmed. But his skills take it to that level that he's beyond the normal person. And He's a human weapon. Fundamentally. Yeah, he's a human weapon. Yeah. When have you yeah. heard that term, use a karate in this ne- generation? Never. Never. I've never, never heard someone say that again whereas they had that before so it just shows you that the whole community let themselves down yeah like it's, it's kind of shameful to say True. and the community probably finds it offensive but if the community remembers how karate was back when it came from japan across the rest of the world these were like tigers and beasts these were like monsters coming through teaching mm. the art in the most respectful way and earning a black belt actually meant something. Now you have 10-year-old black belts running around. Or you that have, is like, very loads. true, actually. I do remember a story many years ago about a, a nine-year-old black belt. And I remember thinking, "Did you? were you doing this in the womb as well? You've got a black belt at nine? How's that possible? But, um, yeah, it's, it's very... Um, very true. There's a commodified, commod, I can never say this word, excuse me. Commercialized. I was going to say commoditization, commodity, <laughs> commoditize. Anyway, yeah, commoditization of of certain of of martial arts, which just kind of waters it down to the extent you can even get one on, you can get a black belt on the internet, which is really awful to say, <laughs> but it minimizes realistically if you look at how hard it is historically the journey and the process of achieving of achieving a black belt as a person who doesn't have one except to hold up a black belt to hold up my trousers but i have been through grading processes it does a grading process takes a massive toll on you physically mentally emotionally and psychologically because it's not just about earning that belt it's about overcoming many things that took you towards achieving that belt it's about you know, the self-doubt, it's about the injury, it's about the many hours you have to sit in a salt bath or a cold water bath, you know, it's about am I good enough or it's about many things and then it's about the belt. They make it too easy because they adjust it to each person and it's fine, but then you can't adjust the standard for the ego of each person because everyone's got a different 
ego threshold. Mm. Well, Different it's skill set. Yeah, I, I think it's adjustment of the standard based on um, money, I think, and fees. <laughs> uh, it's, it's how. <laughs> sorry, yeah. in, in some in some styles, I'm not. You know, there there. You know, and I have seen this myself, where you know, uh, you know where uh, they they would basically just grade somebody. You know, from a certain background, they they take grading every three to six months, and then they become a black belt, and and even their their white belt didn't have even a stain on it. You know, their yeah. yellow belt didn't have a stain on it. It was just brand new. Their gi looks brand new, like they've not done anything. Uh, and this is where I I can totally relate with you, Kay, um, on that. This that this is where you get the hatred of for, yeah, these, hatred. for that. You can yeah. get the black belt quickly from Amazon Prime <laughs> yeah. to next day delivery. Exactly. I think it depends how you you want to favor it. Like you want to favor it so everyone has their own nice journey. That's important. I understand yeah. that. But at what cost, though? At the cost that the community no longer has fighters. That's that's my biggest problem. I mean, obviously they're really good fighters. There's there's loads of like there, there's an infinite number of karate guys that will kick my ass, but there's also an infinite number of rubbish black belts out there. And I think the community mm. agrees with that that the black belt isn't what it, what, what it used to be, mm. um, and th- this is the difference because a martial art it, is a fighting art, and if these schools call themselves dance schools, then I don't have problem. I'm not going to go to every dance school like um, around the world and say aha <laughs> rubbish like, it, it doesn't make any sense like they could do what they want to do but if they put the word martial art on it i think there's some kind of responsibility uphold it doesn't mean that you want to go around having fights all the time but you have to have that fighting capability and if it's not you don't have a fight capability then you're a dance school and that's not disrespect to dance schools because there's a great deal of disciplines in dance schools so oh yeah I'm going to do. I'm going to defend the dance schools because there's some discipline in dance schools. It requires a great deal of physical and mental fortitude. But I do get what you're saying in that they don't take it as seriously in some schools as they do in others, and they and they minimise the the journey and the process. And and it's. It's like what you said, but it's what, like what you said there. It's it's about commercialization. It's fundamentally some of these schools are like sausage factories. You're just another piece of meat on. You're just another piece of meat to be made into a sausage. Yeah, there's no thought and process into it. You're just you're just a piece of meat in a sausage factory being churned out. One of many. And it's so different. I mean, like one of my favorite arts of all time, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They are, <clears throat> I'm, I'm white belt or less, white belt or less in BJJ. I haven't done it for very long. I've done it for about eight months. But they are psychotic on their belt system. They worship mm-hmm. their belts. They pray to their belts. They are completely psychotic about their belts. I've seen uh, gym fights between BJJ yeah. schools where if they think that you're not the right color that you should be, and this is like psychotic, right? They have every right to do some harm. <laughs> That's how seriously yeah. they take it. They protect the the meaning of each grade. If they see a blue belt, a purple belt, a brown belt, a black belt, even without seeing the belt color, if they see a person move, they know exactly what belt level you're on. And it's very uh, uniform. 
is a set grade that there's a benchmark that every school around the world would know what grade you are. You, you certainly don't have that in karate. They don't, they don't protect it like that. And mm. that's why you have these karate practitioners that are black belts but can't fight. And that really undermines good people like Claudia. That, that's not So I'm mm. speaking on behalf of... It's really not fair for him. Like, no. Um, if, you, if you hear Claudia's podcast, he, when he came to this country, he went to some karate schools and he, he did a lesson and he left because he was a little bit disappointed that you're not allowed to hit each other. That, in in controlled environment, in a controlled drill, yeah. it's a pretend punch. And that's no, you've got to get hit. You know how can you if you don't understand how it feels to get hit? What are you going to do when you really get hit? You, you don't have to get battered, but you do have to understand how it feels to be hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I know. I actually agreed with Claudia as well, and this is part part of the reason why I left some of the schools which I joined um, early in my teens. Um, but we 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 focus. We're, we're talking about um, sort of uh, the UK and the West, right? I mean, you know, in Asia, there's many schools and many black belts who are ruthless. You know, they've been trained really well. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Uh, it, some of these schools are really tough, um, and one of the ones which I went to as well, and I probably have talked a lot about it in, in in the other podcasts. You know, about the five a.m. training and all the the, the the heavy you know you know two day grading you know out in the sun basically you know mm. you get hit by everybody you know it's it's like you you have to know how to get hit how to take the pain and condition yourself as well as you know knowing your defense moves and attack um, but yeah uh, but I but I totally see your point there about you know, everything being commercialized it's uh, now now again it's not just about the west or the east it's around the world now isn't it it's globally yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely i com- i completely agree but yeah you, you've do got, you've got to know how to give a punch but you've got to know how to take a cu- take a punch you've got to know how to give a kick and you've got to know how to take it and you've got to know how to psychologically how you feel about it and still keep fighting yeah until yeah. they drop you till they drop you you still got to keep fighting it's not a martial art if there's no punches and kicks. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it isn't. <laughs> like even in BJJ, there's defense. Like um, there's there's a lot of de- defense against that. Especially um, they say in the older styles, um, they yeah. they deal with all fighters. It's not just like on the ground. Um, but uh, just to take the point on the east and the west, is not perfect anywhere in the world. No, it isn't. It's, is not perfect in the east as well so this is part of the um is a sensitive topic because it kind of borders culture where in in the east um the relationship not anymore they don't have this anymore but it used to be that you don't speak back to people older than you and in the class environment there's no chance of that but what that does is that you're really at the mercy of of your teacher of his personality. It, mm. if he's oh, like her a, personality. Yeah. yeah, colloquially speaking, if he's a prick, you're always in trouble, right? <laughs> There's nothing yeah. you can do about that. And in that culture, they call it respect. But listening to a prick isn't respect, is it? <laughs> it's like... No. <laughs> I was speaking for all the students who, who got bullied. You know? it's like, it is, I have to agree. I've, I've met yeah. a few, I've, I've few bellens in my time, so... And it's really difficult to respect a teacher, yeah, if they do not respect you. 
as the student and them and you giving them the privilege because you as the student are giving them the privilege in order for them to give you their knowledge because that privilege is a two-way street and that's what students or new students entering into a martial arts school need to remember the relationship is a two-way street you give and you get and you get and you give and if it's a dif- and if there is a disconnect or a discombobulation then you you as the student yeah need to stand back and reassess what you're getting from this process i think culturally the um, in in the east, we would say like east and west, which yeah. is like a terrible divide of the massive planet, right? <laughs> <laughs> like in, in the eastern kind of um, or far eastern uh, mindset. So there's a seafood, seafood, and there's yeah. a seafood, like the Mandarin and Cantonese. A uh, slight mispronunciation. They mean exactly the same thing. It means yeah. uh, teach your father. So teach your father. Teach your father. It's like you don't really talk back to your dad. Yeah. Or mom, nor mom in in the in in the Asian world. And yeah. When you go to a class, you teach your father, your sifu. He's your father, so he looks after you. But at the same time, you have to do everything he says. Now, mm. with that level of power that that person has, and the level of authority they have, I mean, like surely that's that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> in many Absol- many cases. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, if they are your teacher father and, you know, traditionally we're always taught to respect our elders and to respect our parents, which is what they are in that context setting. Yeah. These individuals in their in their context, in their setting, they have enablers, they have sycophants, they get attention, they feed off that attention that and because of that attention and that reputation that increases their their customers or people coming through their doors. And that can create a vortex of, of things that are unexpected. I think it's a beautiful thing having a, a, a teacher father relationship. There's a mentor. And oh, at a yeah, certain man. age, you need that. It's a beautiful thing. But you can't be so blind because there must be some bad teachers. And, and I mean, that there's some like incredibly good teachers as well. There are some amazing teachers. There are some amazing teachers who, who you, you know what, they, they change your life. Just as like when we were at school, we all remember rubbish teachers, yeah? But we also remember those really amazing teachers that opened up your mind to things and possibilities and they just make you feel like everything is just such an amazing wow moment. They, they exist. And there's also the other side of the penny where the teachers who are there for whatever reasons that they are and they make the process of learning smaller and more compact and and totalitarian yeah so there's benefits of learning under every system but the cons come with it and and that is a bit inefficient i find because we in our modern lives we don't have that time to dedicate to the craft I, I believe it should be the other way around i believe that the craft should benefit your life not yes. you going to do the craft just to grow that craft and to grow someone else's school i don't think I, th- I think you should um have a bit more individual respect to yourself and drive yourself i and, agree yeah have some personality yeah, don't be a have sheep. Some, 
I think so too. I absolutely agree. I think the craft should uh uh should grow you as a person. You're not just going there to grow from the path. The graph the path it should be an organic process where the where the uh where what you're doing is making you grow and making like a good teacher, a good teacher <clears throat> makes you grow, makes you develop as a person, gives you an appreciation and a love of an understanding of something you never knew before. That's why Absolutely. you do what you do. I have an untested theory, and is that a lot of these traditional schools uh, that have weak students, it really comes from the teacher, and they have had some bad teachers as well. If every school competed, and if the teachers were qualified, I mean qualified as in don't do a weekend course in yoga, become a yoga teacher kind of qualified, <laughs> as you come back as a teacher I mean yeah. qualified as that if you're a martial art teacher I want to see trophies and medals everywhere you know and even that doesn't prove that you're a good teacher but that should be the starting point that shouldn't yeah. be optional because if you don't have like trophies and all these combat tested I mean yeah. you test combat as in like boxing's real right kickboxing's real tie boxing's real i know there's a different argument to, to talk about street fight versus the ring where there are differences but in a test environment there's parameters to do testing right it's yeah. impossible to have tests that encapsulates everything you, like in programming you, you can test for a certain thing but you can't test everything mm. it's not the purpose it's not to test everything but in what they say they're good at I find it hard to believe that they're the only person or only school or only institute with that skill. Yeah. So if they like doing a certain thing, they should be having competitions with other schools of the same craft under regulated guidelines, under like an agreed set of guidelines. And if your teacher has never been a match, never been in a martial art match, then I don't think they're qualified to be a coach. I absolutely agree. I 110% degree agree agree not disagree i 110 percent agree don't talk to talk if you can't walk the walk it's kind of a harsh rule isn't it but... no. <laughs> uh, no it's a good rule, <laughs> good rule. let's look at it let's look at it in, in another context right in another context i i have a drug and this drug is going to cure all the world's all the world's sicknesses and all the world's every single sickness on the planet yeah i'm going to say that it's going to do this but unless it's tested rigorously and it's checked and it's verified, it's just me saying it. And I'm just going to expect you to take it because I said it so, because I was the scientist that invented it. You know, what empirical evidence do I have to back up my claims? So if you're going to be a teacher and you're going to teach, teach martial arts and you're going to talk the talk, walk that walk, mate. Bear, what do you think? I absolutely agree. Yeah. You've, you've got to be able to walk the talk. You can't just be a talker. You, you know, it's, it's, you've got to be able to show and display and prove your worthiness as, as a teacher. And, and as a teacher as well, you've got to be able to challenge your students. Um, you know, challenging your students doesn't mean you are harsh or a bad teacher. It's where a good teacher is going to definitely give it, their students challenges to overcome, to grow. You know, that's that's part of that uh, student mentor, student teacher relationship. Mm. You know, they'll give you some challenges and they'll guide you through that. You know, um, 
I've, I've not, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen teachers who've been triggered by me, um, you know, and you, you're always going to find some, you know, some teachers uh, you don't connect with in martial arts, they get triggered, you know, and for whatever what, their what issues are. What happens? How, how are they triggered by you? Because you think you know. <laughs> what, well, did you actually, do? what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's not it's not it's not that juicy as it sounds, but it's it's. How <laughs> 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 Oh well, I I've seen I've seen it in a few styles where you know um just just the presence itself, or they don't like your face, or they don't like that you've got other. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not joking. Uh, you know there are, yeah, as you I've said, been, these... I've experienced it myself. They don't yeah, and... in certain places. I, I could tell. That's yeah, and <laughs> exactly. And if I, you know, if I show, if I do certain moves which has a background from a different style, then that would annoy them. You know, yeah, for yeah. example, when I did karate and I went to do taekwondo, and the karate teacher could identify, oh, you're placing your hands this way, and you get really annoyed and you know and every time he has a, some something you know um smirky to say or to demean you in, in a way in front of students you know because you come from a different style and you've done it slightly because you're so you know uh your muscle memory acts in that way and and you're not you know completely adapting to their style and then you get you know so you get you, you can trigger people's ego and pride and sometimes you have these teachers who have to work through it and yeah. you could be just that catalyst of of that trigger that's interesting because that also proves my well it doesn't prove it but that also confirms my point that i said that it can be imprisoning mm-hmm. as well Do you remember when i talked about how if you own you don't know any other style right you allow yourself to be imprisoned by that one style and that one way of thinking and you're coming in as a student from another style to learn their style and they're so imprisoned by um, their way of thinking and their mode of operate on um, their mode of operation, yeah. Even though you're not what you're doing isn't wrong, it's wrong to them and their perspective and their ego. And then, rather than acknowledging that for themselves, they're saying that you're wrong, which isn't okay. Well, you, you need the empty cup, right, to learn different moves. That's right. Yeah. You, you need to give out like or pause what you used to like doing. So obviously, a lot of karate people have their when not not in in a fight, not in a fight, but in a lot of karters, they have their hands by the side of the waist. Yeah, and that's one of those bad habits that obviously you go to a different institute, they might not like that. Like BJJ would have you put your hands in different stance to boxing, different to Thai boxing, different to karate, right? So I think they just want to get you in their kind of format to pick up a new that's, skill but, which is fine but you which should is, never get bullied for it you should never get bullied. yes yeah, exactly you should that's not be what i'm yeah. saying that's what i'm saying that you should not be bullied <clears> for that yeah and if and even if you aren't doing it right so what you're not doing it right it's not the message it's the delivery that's what i'm saying it ain't the message it's the delivery and that's what not and that's not what you're going into that school to do to to be subjected to is snarky remarks or bullying or being belittled they can still tell you what you're doing is wrong but they can do it in a way that's a lot more appropriate there's Absolutely. all the time yeah, in mean, the world to do that yeah there's all the time in I, the world to do that this is i can give you one more example actually uh which i remember because i know we used to do um so taekwondo and i know uh somebody uh, uh 
well, there was a friend of mine who basically was really good. He was better than the teacher. And the teacher really got triggered. He, he got really, he just didn't like my friend because my friend was really good with the kicks, better than their kicks, better than their cutters, you know. And this is another time when, again, he was punished more, you know. He's told yeah. to do you know, a hundred more push-ups, you know, because, oh, you know, you, you pissed me off now. So there's, there's a lot of these cases where you got, you know, this pride, ego issue, where a student's better than the teacher and the teacher gets um, a bit annoyed with that because the, because the student looks good in the class better than the teacher. So. <laughs> wow, that is sad. That is yeah. really sad. It's really pathetic. Is rooted in part of the culture in the Far Eastern culture or Eastern culture, Asian culture, where the teacher wants to reserve their, they want to protect their place of authority. Yeah. So they won't let that hierarchy change <clears throat> down to Asian seniority. They want to yeah. protect that. And it's culture. And you should respect your elders, but it, it shouldn't get to a stage where it's silly or hindering the development of the younger ones. Yeah. You know? And there's an old, Kung Fu saying saying that like a Kung Fu teacher should reserve uh, free moves for himself. You shouldn't teach everything to your student, otherwise you won't have a student left. Mm. So I think that's toxic. I think, you know, if they graduate and move on, it's all good. You know, life is bigger than the school. Yeah, very much so. And I do like that, what you said about the teachers. It's kind of like the old saying, um, I taught you everything that you know. I didn't teach you everything that I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this goes back to the point. I think if the coaches had fights or came from a background of fighting, that mm. would remediate a lot of the ego issues, I find, because they're living off the energy of the worship. The students go there to worship the teacher. They live on that energy. They can't let that ambience or energy change. If there's disrespect, then the teacher doesn't have a functional purpose anymore. Yeah. So the teacher's put on a pedestal at a temple. And then you go yeah. to the temple and you go worship him. And if that dynamic goes to culture, goes to that art, and it goes to more traditional forms, I dare say. And yes. when you go in boxing and wrestling schools, the teacher, their skill set superior from their fight experience that they don't feel challenged. Because if there's a move that they want to um, demonstrate, they're not going to get threatened by you. It's a performance-based um, style of teaching. So there's no scope for this kind of like silliness, this worship and this like time-wasting, um, you know, it's completely, it's, it's, I find that the performance makes it much more productive and much more focused on like executing moves that, especially, I mean, it's going off topic, the moves that might work a lot more when it's under tested, pressurized environment. Mm. And that comes from real fighting. It doesn't mm. come from learning techniques. You can learn all the techniques in the world, but can they be done in, you know, can they be executed in a fight scenario? Well, if you're having teachers that don't even have never been in a fight scenario or competitions in their respective art, yeah, how did they get made in the teacher in the first place? Makes me so angry. Like, <laughs> makes me like no, so makes, angry. What you said makes a lot of sense. I think the reason why I took up well in my school when I was, you know, doing when I when I do Krav Maga, every single teacher there has had some experience in some way. Um, like some of one, some of my teachers were former bouncers, right? 
So you've got people who are like having to deal with drunk people every Friday night, every Friday and Saturday evening. And, you know, they that they that they have walked the walk and they have talked the talk. And yes, they teach Krav Maga, but they've had to use it in a real life setting. And if you're in boxing and you're with a boxing with a boxing coach, you want to know that boxing coaches like been in that ring and had and how many fights they've had, how many wins, losses and draws. Because they they're going to gain experience from every single one of those individual factors. I don't mean that they have to win all the time as well. No, no, I'm not, I'm not yeah. talking about uh, that. I'm not, but that's what I said about the boxing coaches and even yeah. in the crowd guard. It doesn't matter what the fact of the matter is. If they've got they they've got the experience. They exactly. didn't. They didn't. They didn't just like learn it theoretically. They had to put that in the field. They could see what worked and they could see what didn't work. My bar is that they've had the experience. I, I don't yeah. care if they won or lost because their winning no. and losing has no influence on you. It has no influence on you. But what I'm trying to say, even if they win and even if they do lose, you gain experience from winning. You gain, ex- but you gain more experience from losing. Yeah. If you're say, if we're talking about their experience from in a fighting situation, but the fact of the matter is, is they have got experience as a foundation. As a fighter, they're qualified from yes. that experience. The experience yes. qualifies them, not the belt or certificate or the name. Okay, the, the belt and the certificate, but if we're talking about the experience. You can't buy that. You can't buy that. You can't buy. It. There's no money that you can buy that's going to buy you experience. Yeah, that's why I think in in like boxing gyms and wrestling gyms, the the coaches are really hands on. Yeah, they they do the moves and they show you how it's executed, and there's not. Like, oh, uh, I'll just set, show you this form and then you go to the back of the room and perform it and then I'll fix your form every, like, a few weeks or so. And I mm. guess that's a different style. And the traditional mm. styles are like that. And mm. I have, like, the biggest love for karate, you know, alongside the other other schools. I like all martial arts. But you, you do see, like, pros and cons for, for both styles. I mean, mm. like, one style in the performance aspect and we can go to this later, right? There's the extremist. That uh, there's always extreme at both ends. Like I'm not saying that performance fixes everything because you need a lot of respect, you need a lot of culture, but it 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 really you're at the mercy of your coach's personality, which I think is is now a good time to um, maybe uh, highlight some of the the big commonalities of um, coaching. So what would you say would be some commonalities of crap coaching? I would probably say that we need to look at the foundation of crap coaching and before we go into the commonalities. And I actually did a little bit of reading. Um, have you ever heard of a book called Influence by a therapist, by a psychiatrist? Is he a psychiatrist? Anyway, it's by a guy called Robert Cialdini. It's literally one of the seminal arts on the arts of manipulation and um, controlling behaviors and uh and fundamentally what you're dealing with is is that when you have a not so how can i put this let me put this in a bigger context if you have a congregation of people there are always going to be individuals who are predatory right and that's what you have to kind of siphon out when you're dealing with a toxic school or a toxic trainer or a toxic anyone that you're interacting with. And what happens in, in say, with these toxic schools and these toxic trainers is that they're in a school, it becomes popular. They become popular and they become popular and they feed off the attention, right? And because they feed off the attention, they get more customers. And because they get more customers, they get more money, which creates, you know, a desire for more money 
yeah, because we're looking at this from a Western perspective and, and, and that's how they pay their bills and they keep their lights on, right? Which then, because they're getting all of their adulation and the enabling in that environment, right, that creates emotional, mental boundaries being crossed and a sense of entitlement because what's happening with these, with these coaches is that it feeds into their overinflated sense of self. And there's like a number of ways that Robert Cialdini talks about the nature of influence. Now, it's not just in martial arts schools. Influence is used in many, many different types and ways in society, right? And what he talks about is he talks about in his book, Influence, which I, honest to God, would recommend to anyone to read. It is such a good book. It is. It is, and it's a it's an easy book to read. I read it many many years ago, and I went back to it for specifically for this today. And he talks about six different types of um, types of influence. Right there is basically he says that with influence, Robert he's basically he says that with influence professionals, yeah, that uh, it requires with influence unconscious uh, compliance from you as the other person. And the basically, it's based on the sense of generalizations where there is no thought and no time uh, in the thought process to be able to objectively observe what's happening to you. Therefore, you kind of lead yourself open for exploitation and your influ influence of the people that you're working with is weaponized. And there's six different types. There is reciprocation, commitment and consistency, social proof, yeah, liking, right? Uh, liking authority and scarcity, right? So, for example, if we have reciprocation, right? Reciprocation is the return of a favor. So, reciprocation can be simple, sim something simple as like, here's a free gift, right? Or it can be like, for example, a free class, because you're thinking to myself, they've given me this for free. Wow, what else am I going to get? Yeah, that leads you down the path of, of, going down if it's not a great school into a very very negative road so it can be something like for example you you start going to the school and you enjoy it and you like it and then you start going to classes and then you start kind of like they, the teacher starts saying to you you know what you should come to more classes you've got lots of talent and all this sort of stuff <laughs> it, it does this it, it does trust me this actually does happen it's kind of like, and you're like, oh, oh, maybe I should. I wasn't thinking about it. Maybe I should, right? I will and, fall for that. There's a freebie and a compliment. I'll fall for yeah, that. there's a freebie and a compliment. Trust me, it, it, you think it's it's simple, but it's all it's all happening. You know, all the compliancing is starting to happen in the background. And for example, I'll give you an example with me. I remember I used to have a trainer. My trainer, Gollum. My trainer, Gollum, had, was many, many things, and I'll probably bring him up a few more times, right? But my trainer, Gollum, yeah. The Gollum, the Muay Thai moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, Gollum the Muay Thai moneymaker, right? He had this, this situation, right, where uh, he would say to me, if we're talking like a small favour, can you do me a favour? Can we move our lesson half an hour earlier? Or can we move our lesson half an hour later? Because i got to do this reason or that reason, even though we're supposed to agree a small time. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all right. It's only half an hour. You know, that starts to be a consistent pattern, right, where there's no structure in place for for me to be able to have my lesson because I never know when I'm going to have my lesson because I'm always being moved last minute and I'm always agreeing and I'm always complying, right? Then the next thing that you have is you have commitment and consistency. Basically, this is us as human beings, we operate best with uh, 
con having consistent behavior, right? This also feeds back to what I just said about reciprocation. You, I do something for you, I do something for you, you do something for me, right? So, yeah, you can have, um, what have I got here? Um, oh yeah, right? So basically, you, so when you have commitment and consistency, it can drill into you sort of like, you have to come to the lesson, you have to do, you have to do whatever I need you to do. So even though I was experiencing like not having set days and set times, if I wanted to cancel, I wasn't really allowed to cancel. Like for example, I had to attend something and I was like, I can't come our set day and our sort of semi set time. Well, you can come on Tuesday. I can't come on Tuesday. Well, you can come on Wednesday. I can't come on Wednesday. So there's a there's there's the desire that you start unconsciously agreeing to stuff that isn't necessarily beneficial to you, right? So and that can basically creates the effect where you're being consistent for them, but you're not being consistent for yourself. Then you have liking, and in a lot of situations, you can have situations where you can have liking. So when you meet your teacher for the first time and you you're like, God, this guy's really nice, or this lady's really nice, she seems really nice, she seems really interested in me, she wants me to do well, you know, she really seems like she wants me to be the best student mm -hmm. that I can be. But ultimately that liking can be used by an, in an influential, negative influential setting to kind of like lay a foundation in it because you're always thinking this person likes you, but they, they, you may like them, but that doesn't necessarily, they mean they like you. That can be used as, as nothing more than a front in order to get you to do things for them because you like them, right? So what have I said here? So yeah, and also liking can be used as a form of commonality. So you can be in a group setting of a school as opposed to one-to-one -one training and everybody's in that situation everyone's in this class and everyone's having a great time and everyone's you know like seeming like they are enjoying themselves right and you're all like I say you're with a teacher who's basically saying you're great you're a really good student you're you've got talent man you and this is what happened to me you're really good you're really good at what you're doing you should grade you you know you do really well in the grading you'd be fantastic you should grade so you know and you're like wow, they think I'm good enough to grade? They think I'm good enough to, 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 to go through that entire process? Wow, I must be, if they're saying it. Maybe, maybe I am, you know, and they seem to really like me and they seem to think that I'm good enough. Maybe I am good enough. Do you see how it can play itself out? And then we come to kind of like the really toxic ones, yeah? The really toxic ones are things like um, social proof, and this is what Ciardini calls social proof, right? Basically, it's a sense of compliance, yeah? So it's, it creates a sense of compliance. You know, like how you have the laugh track in, in sitcoms when you watch old sitcoms from like many, many years ago and they never used to have a live studio audience and they'd have a laugh track. And because there was a laugh track at the joke, you'd end up laughing. You may not even think the joke is funny, but you would end up laughing. So, you know. They must still have that, don't they? they I, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch much telly these days. So, you know, you can have situations like that. And so, you know, at its most dangerous and most extreme in social proof, it can be used as a form of mass manipulation and mass murder. So if you look up the Jonestown massacre, yeah, 
this is one of the worst and most terrible examples of social proof. You have people who were cut off and isolated, or the, the only the only social interaction they have with each other, like in a bad school, the only social action they have with each other was with other members. So you create these social norms, right? And with a toxic school, with a toxic trainer, like he ha uh, like a toxic school and a toxic trainer, abuse becomes normalized. If you're in a toxic school, abuse of the students, disrespect of the students, making snarky remarks to students, becomes normalized because no one chooses to question it, right? And then you, once they start questioning it, they start being immune to it and they start thinking that it's normal and it's not normal. And it's only when you realize afterwards that it's not normal. It's like the emperor's new clothes. Everyone tells him how wonderful his clothes was until the kid said he was naked because, yeah, everyone wanted to fall into the social proof and the normalization of what was going on, which wasn't normal. So it's it's fundamentally social proof is like a form of brainwashing. And when you're in a bad school with a bad teacher, you can be lay you, lay, lay you open to being brainwashed. Yeah, because you're not thinking for yourself. You're thinking about you're thinking in line with the norms of the overall school's sense of consciousness. Do you know what I mean? And then there's authority, the ultimate one. Right. Um, authority is is kind of like, um, for example, and he took Robert Cialdini talks about the Milgram experiment where you have two people. One is in a room and one is mm. in another room with a manager or with a senior scientist, the senior type and the other person's in a room and they're being held and they're um, being wired up to electrodes. And the other person is being asked to push a series of buttons in the Milgram experiment. And fundamentally, the further higher, the higher up the numbers of buttons they go up to, the more electric shocks they get to the point where the electric shocks become unbearable. And even if the other person in the room is pushing the button doesn't agree with it, they will comply. So as students, and I'm trying to always bring it back, as students who may be in a toxic martial arts situation, you will come. You will find yourself unconsciously uh, 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 complying to things and deferring to authority, whether it's a bad teacher or a bad tra personal trainer. Because you want to learn and you want to grow, you will choose to turn off. Uh, you would not turn off. You will choose to comply to their authority, and that can create kind of like cognitive dissonance in the sense of you know something's not right, but you. You can't figure out what it is that isn't right, but you know it's not right, but you don't want to think about how it's not right. And then we have scarcity. So you can have sometimes you can have in bad schools, people who go, oh, your particular trainer isn't available today. And that may have been the reason why you wanted to join that school. So but the uh, but social proof and authority, I'd say in bad training situations are are the toxic, the most toxic to the other ones that I talked about. Um reciprocation commitment and consistency all lead up to it but social proof and authority yeah if 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 your teacher is authoritarian you're in a whole lot of trouble and you can't see it and you're in an and and the toxicity is normalized you're in a very bad bad situation scarcity scarcity can be used to manipulate you i had a trainer gollum and basically he manipulated someone and he was very proud of it as well, actually, where the individual couldn't really have his training anymore because it was not impossible for him. And he manipulated him to stay. Yeah, because he says, well, I may not be available anymore, even though 
you live in a big city and there are other people <laughs> but he manipulated him to stay but for for me i think a lot of the principles of robert cialdini really really fall into place with bad training bad trainers mm. and bad schools yeah it's quite an upsetting topic isn't it it, it is a very upsetting topic it's I, I have been through it. I've been through a lot of this in various ways and in various manners, and we can talk about our stories afterwards. But for us, for I think if I'm going to be on this podcast, I think it's important for people to understand what can happen to you and what it is and what is and, and what it means. And it's not just me just giving my stories. It's this is stuff that's been studied by a scientist. Do you know what I mean? And this stuff exists. And if you don't know what you're walking into, yeah, you don't know how to deal with it. It's very hard to distinguish between a cult and a community when you're inside in that moment, in that community. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Like from, from the outsider, obviously, they can, we can say, oh, it's this and that and this and that. But when you're actually inside Any... that community and everyone yeah. around you appears that to accept this as the norm, Yes, and it feels like unless you have a very individual type personality, like I'm, I'm personally, I'm very agreeable. I think both of you know me really well now. Yeah. And I wouldn't be the one protesting or I might complain afterwards Absolutely. after class. But in, in the class, I don't think I have that brave, courageous personality to do the confrontation. I, 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 I find it ugly and uncomfortable. I, I completely agree. It's only now I've had the benefit of... of of my experiences and I've had the benefit of hindsight, I'm like you, I'm agreeable. I'm coming in there with my empty cup, but I wasn't practicing the discernment to see what liquid was being poured into it. Agreeable is is being vulnerable because with the bad people, they can suss you out and they could read you very quickly. And if they read that you're agreeable, they'll keep doing those things to test you, your boundaries. Absolutely. To the point where they wreck you completely. They will. Uh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Please continue. Yeah, this is, uh, if I may say, this is also related to relationships as well. I think we describing here it just reminds me of some, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just a relationship in the past. The so. Relationship out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically. So, so this is. I, I think what you mentioned, even about the book, Georgie. I think that's that's fascinating. Uh, but but something I was thinking about being a sort of a devil's uh, 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 advocate, I guess it's um, that that community, that sense of um, you know respect of authority in terms of because it's your teacher, he or she's your teacher, and you want to really learn and you want to grow in that school and it's all genuine it comes from a good place in your heart you feel good about it you mm. don't feel manipulated you don't think anything's wrong in mm. that in that time and it could be there could be something wrong uh, but you're just not seeing it mm. but if your intention is right and you're doing your best and if i, I always believe this that if there is something really negative and toxic, like you said, in your situations or in other individual situations, you would come out from that point. You'd realize it, you know, and especially when you have a good heart and a good intention, and yeah. you're genuinely practicing and honoring and respecting and, 
you know, really doing your best, you will sense it. You will know I'm, I'm being manipulated. This is wrong. This is weird because, you know, you will sense, um, yeah. like, I think something you mentioned reminded me of sort of um, uh, this concept called gaslighting. Yeah. When that person, you know, makes you feel like you, what you feel is not real. It's not, <laughs> it's not really real. So you're, your feelings are not considered uh, you, you're like you know uh sort of made to feel that you're just going nuts but you're not because Absolutely. you're actually feeling it you're feeling it you're feeling there's something wrong but that person is bullying you abusing you and making you feel like no you just ah that's not you that's just wrong <laughs> you know that this that. doesn't not, exist no it's not even it's not even that your feelings don't exist your feelings can be minimized when i was going from my experience mm. with my with Gollum, with Gollum, my feelings weren't were minimized. It's not that deep, you know. This individual may have been speaking or addressing me in an inappropriate, unprofessional manner in a commercial relationship, yeah. And and he would then say, "Oh, it's not that deep." Well, if it wasn't that deep, then why did you choose to react in that way? So there's a disconnect and a cognitive manipulation of a cognitive dissonance in regards to the relation to the reaction and in relation to the relation to the utterance. So that's also a form, it's a form of, it is a form of gaslight, gaslighting, but it also, because in this individual also, you know, he had, he was, he's had a degree in psychology. So trust me, he always knew what he was doing. So there was always the degree of creating cognitive dissonance between what was actually happening and how you were choosing to feel and acknowledging that you were feeling the way that you were feeling, but it wasn't really a big deal, which means I hear what you're saying, but realistically, I think you're blowing yeah. it in proportion. So I hear what you're saying, but it wasn't necessarily always ignoring the feeling. It was also minimizing the feeling, which creates the cognitive dissonance with by that individual. But when it comes down to it, you you do feel you it does build up. I agree with one thing though; it does build up. You start to see how the bricks end up stacking on each other, and you're like, "What do I do with this feeling? How do I? How am I supposed to process this? What do I do with this feeling?" And I feel that when you're in a toxic school, it's easier to stick it in a cupboard somewhere and not deal with it, as opposed to address it. I think there's two messages. Oh, sorry. After you. Ben. No, sorry, gone. Okay. No, I, I think there's two messages. If you say, I think I heard the word how. It's like, I'm glad you asked how. <laughs> 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 so, so I think the two messages, the messages to the student is stop being a sheep. Like, yes. You have to find your own path and yes. you have to dedicate for your life. Your life is bigger than martial arts and your life, and martial arts is bigger than your school. Right? You know, yes. you walk into your school, they'll tell you they're the best school in the world, but with a lot of the schools that don't even have regular com- competitions with other schools, they want to shield you away from the rest of the community. They want to shield you from the truth. And mm-hmm. even that isn't important. Even martial arts isn't even important. You know, So your, your life as an individual you're the most important thing so you and that's should take you responsibility for yourself you should drive yourself you should have independent thinking you should have a critical mindset you should um, but- put yourself in the first place and that's not to be an absolute snowflake i mean that there must be a balance right i mean you have to have some kind of grit to survive through martial arts training as well you can't yeah. you have to be able to step outside your comfort zone but um 
there, there's a lot that there's a lot of ownership you need to take in yourself to not be so agreeable because that's not going to be beneficial inside the classroom and outside in the real world at no, work, I, in relationship for everything don't be too agreeable there's, there's always a balance for these things mm-hmm. so that that's the message to the student is not to be a sheep and not to be I think, overly I think, agreeable yeah no i think i think that i think personally because i like the i like the empty cup i think go in there with an empty cup but make sure that there's some i make sure that there's some your own liquid at the bottom because realistically what you don't want to do is allow yourself to be permitted make sure that whatever is at the bottom is a sense of who you are you you as a your your essence as a human being and as a person because if you sense that it's being polluted you can then have the objectivity to go away don't go into a school completely open-minded and go into the school being not being afraid to walk away because they yeah because you should always remember that you have the power to walk away this is ultimately your as as you're going into this school your money it's not their money it's your money and never be afraid to walk away go in there with an open mind uh go in there completely open-minded but don't go in there completely open walleted <laughs> so there's no scarcity of martial arts schools they might exactly not all that's what the they same. want you to different forms and different sizes and you have like martial art teachers that train in the park at one-to-one sessions they don't even have their own gym they have the big yeah. uh gym kit bag like a like a camping bag and then they'll take you to a local park or they go to your premises to do um, one-to-one coaching you have yeah. that coaches in the park all the way to coaches with gigantic schools yeah um, but what i'm trying to say is that there's no scarcity of, of martial arts schools and i um, always find that the unethical ones want you to believe that there is but there isn't there are so many amazing people out there who will be happy to train you who are a match and I think this is what you've also got to think of when you're going into a martial arts school. Do they match your values? Do they match the core essence value of who you are as a person? Or is there a disconnect or a mismatch? And if you feel that there's a disconnect and a mismatch, you need to be able to, to look at that and address it and make any appropriate decisions for yourself. You have to take ownership of that. You can't go there for guidance and then end up being manipulated you're going there for guidance and yeah you'd be amazed how much it, it, it that but that's it i think that's what people don't realize is that you 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 have to find a school that ma- you have to find a school you have to find a teacher you have to find a trainer who matches your values who mm-hmm. understands who you are as a person and where you're coming from and what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with because the only reason why rubbish schools and rubbish trainers exist is because people are not allowing themselves or are choosing to not remember what what is important to them and what isn't what their boundaries are if you go into any of these schools with a sense of boundaries you'll know what you're prepared to put up with and you'll know what you're prepared to not put up with so that's our message to the students our message to the teachers would be I mean, there's enough of there's enough teachers where we established that in the first point. Yeah. If you don't have the competition experience, you don't have the fight experience. Why are you even there in the first place? Why are you even there in the first place? And even if you do have the competition experience, and even if you do all the, have all the experience, if you don't have the ability to teach, yeah, and I mean teach your students with the respect of them um, 
gracing you with the presence of with, with you them gracing you with the presence of uh, the, the, the well, of sorry of their physical presence to learn from you yeah then you ain't cut out for this if you're not going to be respectful to the people who come and choose you out of everyone else you shouldn't be doing this you it don't deserve to. you don't deserve to teach it has to be a qualified experience if you teach things that don't work and i keep hearing these arguments from different friends who are getting coach coach coaching licenses off the weekend course and going to weekends and then they come out as coaches like I, i'm not <laughs> saying that's a bad process because a lot of those coaches before they go through the weekend center have um immaculate fight records um it doesn't have to be win or loss they just have a lot of fight experience mm. before they even go to those centers so the center is not the point where coaches are made it's the qualified experience where the, the coaching is made so the, the coaching quali- happens before yeah. from the experience. Exactly. You don't have the experience to bring forward. I keep hearing this argument, well, oh, you get a lot of fighters um, and they're not good teachers. Or you get a lot of like uh, football coaches who've never played football matches. I'm thinking, yeah, but like, if there's anything we learned from the pandemic is that we don't really have a shortage of martial instructors. We no, have a shortage of doctors. We have a shortage of medical people. We have a shortage of medical practitioners. We, we certainly don't need to add to the list of instructors in your area. No, I, I completely agree. And, and I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I also say in regards to the teachers, some of the best teachers I have had personally, yeah, they were teachers who were, these were like really amazing people, people who were like, top flight right top flight people and they were respectful they were humble they were highly experienced yeah right like like in the field highly experienced and on top of that as a teacher you have to be client focused you have to have empathy you have to have respect you have to have knowledge yeah and above all you've got to respect your clients boundaries as well if you're going to be a good teacher and run a good school you have to you can't have everything because humans are not perfect. We're quite complex, right? So it's hard to have everything. But I think three things that you have to have as a teacher. One, the qualified experience. You yeah. have to have had, we're talking martial arts here, right? You have to have fights. I'm not yeah. saying that you have to win them. You have to have fights. That's the entry level. That's yeah. the bare minimum that I expect. You have to have had fights. Other than fights, you have to have two things. Yeah, what do you kindness think? and patience those two that, things have to exist to mind. well and, for and, me yeah sorry go on, please and so many teachers um are short-tempered you, you've met yeah. a lot of short-tempered teachers i've met a lot of short-tempered teachers that yeah. doesn't fall into kindness and patience uh requirement then like but, the kindness but and to patience me, requirement well, means you can't you phrase angry. it how you want to phrase it but that's how i'm going to phrase it because one of the best teachers i had was a world champion Muay Thai, um, was a more was a two time world champion Muay Thai um, Muay Thai fighter, two times, patient? patient as patient as a bloody judge. Yeah, <laughs> are they kind? They, he was a nice man. Let me tell you this: he was a genuinely nice man. And the guy he recommended me to afterwards when he left was a genuinely nice man. It is a person I still see. Yeah, and he had respect because I said to him after I had my experiences with with Gollum. Right, some of the things I said to him is is you don't get to put me on Instagram. Let me tell you that, right? If, and I, remember, <laughs> and I did, I says, this is a non-negotiable. You will not be putting me on Instagram. I am not fodder for you and your Instagram profile. And he went, fine, right? I don't do that anyway, yeah? He was really empathetic. When I told him about my experience with my previous teacher, he was like, why is that? What the hell is he doing that for? That don't make no sense. 
Yeah. He treated me with appropriate boundaries. Right. Never. If I if, if the lesson was at a certain time, it was at a certain time. It started on time. It ended on time. So those are appropriate professional boundaries. And I expect a trainer to have those. Yeah. On top of that, the man was both my teachers. Right. And the world, the world champion. And the other guy that I ended up speaking, to, uh, I ended up working with, right? The world champion was knowledgeable because he was a world champion. He'd been at it since he was 15, 15 years old. I don't think I'm asking for too much, right? And then he was respectful. He was, hello, how are you? He wasn't like, why are you late? What's this? What's that? Get out the way. You're standing in front of my, you're standing in front of me while I'm filming an Instagram flipping short. It ain't much to ask for. It is possible. It does exist. So just those three characteristics, um, qualified experience, kindness, patience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would add one more. Respect. Equality, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But Equality. the respect comes from the kindness and patience, right? Not always. It can be separate and it can be different. It can be the same and it can be different. Because you are giving them, you, 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 they, if they respect you, they respect, if you work with a teacher and he feels like, and even if it's a teacher who taught you at school, if you were at school and you had a teacher that respected you, yeah, you worked harder for them because you felt like what you were doing was being appreciated, even if that teacher was getting paid for it, right, at school, or even if you were paying for that teacher's time. You felt that you were being seen and you were being valued. And a lot of bad schools and bad teachers don't see you and they certainly don't value you. It's about the um, commercial side, the slot. So you, you have a lot of boutique, um, the new boxing gyms that come out that aren't really the, they aren't really boxing gym. They're more like box fit. And I don't <laughs> have a problem with that. You get like a wonderful workout i'm sure you, you probably yeah. get really good fitness and you get into physique really good because of the cardio aspects yeah but, um like it's not the the same as learning the craft of the martial art is more like a, a cardio exercise or a gym class it's different yeah. from going to a martial art school and i think bear, bear would like understand this like i, I went to um a, a bjj school in uh uh regional area and um, this BJJ Academy was really good. I, I went there, I did my hour lesson. Mm-hmm. And then on the way, on finishing the class, like wrapping up the class, the, the instructor was like, okay, yeah, come over here. I saw you do your thrust and it wasn't done properly. You, you need a bit of help on that. And we were drilling an exercise for 45 minutes after the class. It was an hour. So basically I went in for like two classes. Mm-hmm. And he, he weren't like, oh, I think you need personal training oh i think you need to book this slot or this package or this program it was none of that it was mm. really none of that you only paid a monthly and he was happy to use his time to to help you to help you grow on something that you you was not good at so it they see you as trying to help you as um your skill set yes. you always need help but it's not seeing you as like oh, how many um sessions can i get out this person and what what program can i sell him yeah 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 that's pretty much what i'm saying if you feel valued and you feel seen and you feel respected that goes on that costs nothing but it goes a long way yeah this bjj academy treated every student like that they were very yeah on all students they're very very good like that it goes a it goes a it goes a long way it massively massively goes a long way 
and it creates and it creates a feeling that you know what I feel like I'm seen here and I feel like I'm valued here and I feel like you know what this is a place I want to I want to call my home when I used to do kickboxing many years ago um and I was at a school which was fundamentally like a cult was like a cult it was there was pretty much everything I talked about from Robert Cialdini there was a, a, a I'd say a good 95% of it to the extent uh some girl was crying in the toilets cuz she forgot her belt her belt it's easy to do yeah when i left that school and i and i joined my craft maga class it literally felt like what you were talking about and i felt like to myself i'm i'm in my i genuinely feel like i'm in my new home no one's trying to make me do something i don't want to do you either do it or you don't or i'm giving you some knowledge and i don't want anything from you i just want you to be good and it goes a long way they they enjoy the craft right so you should be in a school where the teacher's doing it like maybe as a job but more so because he actually enjoys doing the craft that, that yeah. martial art he he likes doing that martial art that's why he's teaching it as well yeah not not the other way around so i think you mentioned that school I think now is the hour of the honourable moment, honorary list of crap coaches. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I have on my list, and, and Bear could add to this, do we start with the crew SpongeBob? Oh, crew, crew SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Of Stinky Jim. Stinky Jim. Yeah, Stinky Jim. I know Stinky Jim. <laughs> yeah. So this is an extreme exa- example because I've been... Uh, like I, I sound like I keep promoting competition. This um, institute, they they are very well competed. They're, they're they are very gym. good. They're very, very very good in competition, but they're like yeah. the extreme version of like the, you turn into Cobra Kai, where all they care about is violence. <laughs> and you no, don't I that completely. Kind of well. They actually have a reputation for it. They Even have a reputation from, for it. they have a reputation for it. Absolutely. I, I, I even one of my instructors uh, was like someone from that school joined his school. And basically they had to get someone who was like really aggressive to kind of spar with them. And they went, yeah, man, that was a really good sparring special. And it was literally like a proper it was literally like a proper fight because the person was going like 100 miles an hour. And they were like afterwards, yeah, that was really good fun. But realistically, that kind of Cobra Kai mentality is top down because you shouldn't be teaching people to spar like that because they aren't sparring, they're fighting. And if you're going to fight someone, you're going to fight someone's better than you and they're going to just punch you out. There's a difference between training and fighting, right? You go to a a fighting gym for training. You don't go there for fighting. It's a tiny place for it. It's kind Mm -hmm. of silly. It Um, is. But yeah, this, this gym, there's so many stories to talk about this gym. Like, uh, Bear, you know the BJJ, our, our Maps BJJ friend. So he yes. he went to teach at this facility one time, and another coach, and uh, George, you could probably work out which ones. There's not that many. Well, there's there's quite many, but you could probably work out. Uh, was watching him teach, and tried it with him. So <gasps> <laughs> they actually got into a fight, and. Uh, our BJJ's friend said it was no match, like, but he was really angry, he was really aggravated. He saw red and he beat the crap out of them with his BJJ. <laughs> wow, because <laughs> yeah. of the like disrespect, you know, you're teaching something and then you, you get a challenge, but it's not 
the right place for it. But I think this is really a challenge, Stuart. Like, it's a, it's a real place yeah. of violence. Like, you, you have to be up for the challenge all the time. And it's, yeah. it's just so violent. It's so negative. It's so toxic. It is. I can, re- you know, I can remember there was a trainer who came over from Thailand. Do you know what I mean? The home of Muay Thai. He came over from Thailand, went to, you know, taught one of the best gyms in Thailand. And he was like, like what he thought was lightly sparring. And then this other person was like proper going at him. And he got to, he got to the stage. Uh, the person threw a full force roundhouse. He caught it quickly, right? He ended up doing a sweep and he ended up sweeping that other person. So they landed on their head because like, you know, one thing with the ties, the ties may be the land of the smiles, but one thing there also is, is one thing you don't do to a tie is make them, a tie is make them lose face because they, you try them, they will try you twice as hard. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Mo's really kind though. He doesn't push his weight around. Who? Mo. This, this tie, tie fighter, Mo. No, he's just like the soundest guy. He's like... He's soft. He's soft. He's super chill. He's like low-key hilarious, man. When you get to know him, I mean, he'll train you and he'll make you feel like you want to throw up in a bucket somewhere. But he's low-key just like super chill and he's just really funny. So it it just seems so left field. He's such a nice guy. He is. Yeah. In an intro class, one of my friends got called out by the crew, uh, SpongeBob crew, crew SpongeBob of Stinky Jim, and uh, it, it's in the intro class. So you, 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 there's nothing you can prep for what what would happen, right? So, like, the coach does a demo, demo and there's crew SpongeBob, who who is a bit of a prick, right? He's a bully. <laughs> he's he's a bully type. He's he's a big mouth with an ego issue, and he he's he's certainly a bad bully. Uh, he is. He's a yeah. true Nicky Dinner Money bully. Yeah, it was like, oh, stand here. So my friend stood, and then he just front, uh, just teeped him, uh, front push kicked him, but really hard. So it wasn't even a demo style. It, it was a demo purposes, but for demo, you meant to pull back your power. He just went full power, and he fractured oh. his ribs. <gasps> That's terrible, man. That's terrible. No, no belly pad, no nothing. Just did it to him, and he. In the middle he of the class, sued. That's assault. That's not even teaching. That's assault. Yeah, so it's physical harm, isn't it? Yeah, it's bullying man. and it's physical harm. Well, yeah. I don't think the idea was bullying, but it was uh, misconduct for sure. Like, so he might not have done it to assert dominance. He might have just done it for um, demo or teaching. But it's very bad teaching if you end up having fractured ribs. And go home I, think, with an injury. I, think, I don't know, you know, I think it may have been, who knows? I'm just going to say, well, the jury's out on that, but um, I don't think it's appropriate. If you're, if you're, a, if you're, you know, SpongeBob, crew SpongeBob. The gym you, owner. You know, the gym owner, you know what the rules of engagement are. Would you do that to Buwako? I doubt it. <laughs> so... I wouldn't do it in the intro class. You wouldn't do it in an intro class. What are you thinking? You want people to be impressed enough to want to spend money with you, not put them off. The whole purpose of an intro class is the whole the whole purpose of an intro class is to to show your best side. This is why there's a divide of um, traditional schools and these combat competing schools. Right? Mm. I mean, we don't want to call out, but you know, the combat competing ones are BJJ, Muay Thai. Mm. kickboxing mm. wrestling and that's yeah. about it <laughs> it's not that's, that many that, that's, yeah <laughs> i'd have to agree with that 
And not even every. Yeah. Right. BJJ, Muay Thai, kickboxing. Yeah. And wrestling. Are there any more bear? Is is that that's about it, right? Yeah, I think I think you've named them all. Yeah. And MMA. Sorry. MMA, of course. MMA. Yeah. Making And the reason why a lot of people. good judo as well. Oh, judo is like semi-traditional. It's semi-traditional. And the the thing that most people want to do martial arts and they want to look good and they want to do kendo and they want to look good. (laughs) Right. They they want to go to a traditional school because they're agreeable. They kind of soft their personality and their nightmare would be to go to a competing school and get beaten up. And I think that's the reason that drives a lot of people, good people, potential, people with potential, away from these like high performance type institutes because they're scared of going to a place and getting beaten up. And this stinky gym and crew SpongeBob, they're like the the bad examples. They're like the bad eggs of that community. Most of the time you go to a wrestling gym, BJJ gym, boxing gym, people are really nice. They don't throw their weight around. They help you. And... Most of the time, you won't get injured. You won't get beaten up. Yeah, I'd agree Even- with that. Eventually, I'd... you'll get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you know, like, at least they'll give it, you a right? few weeks. They'll give you a few weeks. They'll have a few lessons. A few weeks, They're not gonna. Right. <laughs> well, they'll give you two days, and then they go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I, ha- I've heard another story about Crew SpongeBob as well, and there was an individual. I heard this from um, one of my teachers. There was an individual who was incredibly talented. What didn't had a natural talent and they went to crew SpongeBob's gym and very something very similar happened to them and they never went back and it was a shame. It was a shame. They never, they never could never could never continue to pursue the, the sport. And it was a shame because they were very talented. What happened in that story then? Well from what I can gather he he was severely injured. I don't really can't remember the specifics. But the person was a natural talent. They'd been doing lots of different stuff and they knew my teacher. Uh, and they uh, and he says, Oh, I'm gonna just try out this Muay Thai. And then he went oh, to no. Yeah, and he says, Oh, I'll go to I'll go to the school on the East End. It seems to be really, really good. He went, got a really, really bad injury, and he just said, This isn't for me, and he never went back. What a waste of talent. You can build up conditioning, isn't it? Conditioning is not is not decided a one one session i think it was so bad it was he was decided in one concession because we all know what crew sponge job school's like <laughs> you can turn up and it beats you up <laughs> yeah exactly and he was like i ain't for this because like this is supposed to be you know th- i'm not for this this isn't for me and if this is ha- what they like then this isn't for me but you know when when but in a in a proper if you were doing that in thailand in thailand no one gets injured and they're, you know, they've been training since the age of nine and they're monsters and they're killers. But you're, you're going to a proper traditional Thai school in Thailand. You're not going to get injured to the extent you have one lesson and you never go back. There's a method of doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Toxicity comes from the top down, never from the bottom up. So you stinky gyms like that. They just ruin the, the, the competing gyms for a lot of new, newbies. That mm. I think a lot of people like myself, very, very nerdy like undergo like bullying at school and you have this fear and this lack of confidence that's Mm. why you turn to martial arts yeah so you're not the strongest character and this is like maybe um me trying to defend the traditional schools is that 
their students are weaker because the people going in lack confidence anyway i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying yeah. that's how it is like I, I lack confidence i don't i think it's a bad thing but like i'm not criticizing all those schools i'm just saying that a lot of people want to get stronger in those schools and they, they do. don't have the confidence to go to a competing gym that's why they go to your traditional yeah. schools because they find that the traditional schools are softer but mm. as a result of that you end up having that craft full of like weaker softer students yeah and i think you need to be it's trying to find the balance between the two extremes where you you get the the experience of being in, in a real combat situation but not getting your egg kicked in <laughs> without, <laughs> getting, without, without getting without suffering severe concussion because like people I, i've known people to get like i knew a girl who got a busted lip because someone kicked her in a did a roundhouse kick to her to her face and you know i know someone who had a, a, a got a she had a busted rib and she had a busted lip and she was only supposed to be going there to exercise and have fun not to be having that kind of nonsenseness it's crazy, man. We were doing um, training in Stinky Gym and I need someone in the ribs a few times. And they went down on their knees. Yeah. And then uh, the coaches came around and commended me. They said, well done. Keep it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Cobra Kai. <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> Strike yeah, first. Was, <laughs> like, I felt like it wasn't very right because he was no. like slithering on the floor trying to get back on his feet. Like he was crawling on the floor. And there's a part of me thinking, I think there's something not right about this. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying about the cognitive dissonance? Do you see like, what I'm oh, saying I was about quite proud, cognitive... obviously. Like, yeah, but, but at the same time, I was thinking... There, there was a cognitive... Yeah, but, there... but do you see what I'm saying about the cognitive dissonance, what I said earlier? Cognitive dissonance is to see something and know it's not wrong, but to not want to acknowledge it's not wrong at the same time. Not you right. knew it wasn't right. You felt, and, you know, and they're coming in and normalising that kind of behaviour. You should, you know... When it when when realistically a good school would be like you know what you went too hard that's not really you know that ain't that ain't good enough it's great that you got him in the ribs and all that sort of stuff but it ain't great as well because now that person's injured and they shouldn't be congratulating you on that because that also shows a lack of a lack of um, discipline a lack of kindness a lack, lack of, of kindness a lack of discipline and a lack of respect to the person that you're working with yeah the whole class was like that so like. I didn't feel that I did anything wrong because that was how the class was steered. But then the the whole steering was wrong, right? Like I said, normalization and it social proof. Normalization. So that's the first one I saw. It's normalized. Um, Crew SpongeBob of, of Stinky Jim. So the next yeah. next one on the list, cult leader Lisa. Oh Lisa. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Cult leader Lisa. Cult leader Lisa. Cult leader Lisa. She was, I'm intrigued. Oh, Lisa Lisa was, was a special kind of, she was a special kind of lady, right? I sound like one of them 1970s songs, don't I? Okay, okay. It's, it's not, it's not a... If, if Lisa's good looking. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not oh, a sex cult. You're not going to yeah. tell me about a sex cult, right? It's a martial oh, arts. You, you know what? I'm going to tell you substitute. I'm going to say this, it was dodgy. I'm going to say this, it was dodgy. It starts off, right? It starts okay. off simple enough. <laughs> You start, it starts not sex cult, right? But it starts off right. simple enough. You go to a, you go to the classes on Saturday, yeah? You meet a whole bunch of new people. And that's one of the good things about martial arts. You meet people you'd never meet in a million different, in a million years. We met through martial arts. Yeah, we met through martial arts. Exactly. We And, you know, and I've met people from all sorts of different walks of life through martial arts. And it's one of the most 
beautiful things about this craft. It really is. So I meet all these people, and she, my and she gives me the old. I'm going to start referring back to with the Robert Cialdini. She starts giving me, ah, oh, oh, Georgie, Georgie, you're really good. You know, you should you should start grading. This is like six months into it. You'd be really good. You should start grading. You'd be really really good. So you know, I'm like, oh. Maybe I should start grading. She seems really nice. I've had a few private lessons with her. She seems really lovely. I'll start grading. You start going down that grading route. Oh, my God. You start seeing the reality of, 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 of lovely Lisa and, and her business partner and her, her business partner. And um, it starts turning. It starts off as fun. And then you end up in the twilight zone and then you're ending up where they're kind of like, they're starting to kind of like um, force you to buy stuff. You're like, you have to get the uniform, right? Not only do you have to get the uniform, you have to get their kickboxing boots because they're the best kickboxing boots, right? You buy your own. So, but I decided to buy my own brand of kickboxing boots. And then they say to me, those kickboxing boots aren't, aren't, aren't suitable for what we're doing. And I'm looking at their kickboxing boots and I'm like, and some, and some girls got them and they're like, falling apart i'm like now nah, i'll stick to what i've got right they've not been blessed by the cult leader you haven't been blessed by this she hasn't been blessed the cult leader hasn't been hasn't blessed them then they're like oh you need to start grading okay you need to start grading you need to start coming four times a week right so that means well, you're we okay for a yeah that means <laughs> that you go from once a week to four four times but you've got a life and you've got other things to do right so four times four evenings a week you know you're coming in at seven you're finishing at nine thirty you're getting home at 10 10 30 or whatever was it a paper class lesson or was it a... no it was it was monthly membership and you it's have to pay bad, no and you have to pay three months in advance so yeah it is yeah so the price of your monthly membership goes up yeah and you have to pay three months in advance then on top of that you need to like i say you need to get the uniform and you need to increase the amount of times you're going right People won't work with you because you're not the same grade as them because it's a mixed ability class, right? And you hear students, and then you hear students talking in hushed tones about the teacher and people basically um, going behind their backs in these conversations and telling the teacher, telling telling Lisa uh, what's been said, and Lisa and her business partner basically broadcasting that you cannot talk about the teacher. And <laughs> seriously, that's literally, and you're in a lift going home and then you're looking behind you to make sure that no one else from the school is there or one of her enablers is there who will report back to you. You end up living in a police state to the extent, yeah, if you want to leave, you have to give them three months notice in advance and they have to receive it on the first day of the month. For usually a two week notice. No, yeah, three months notice, and you have to, and they, and they have to receive the letter on the first day. Otherwise, they make you pay the other three months up up front. So it's worse it, than renting a flat. It's literally worse than renting a flat. It literally is like joining a cult and and literally having to fight to leave. And then you're hearing stories about when they all go out for drinks and and Lisa's making inappropriate comments to other other individuals, and you're like what the hell is this, you know? And so you're in this cult with this, with this individual who has neighbours who haven't, has an inflated sense of themselves, yeah, who believes that they are the king. They are the, the, the queen of their own kingdom and you just exist to give them money, 
right? Because they're always asking you to do extra stuff on top of the four classes a week and they're buying their equipment. Yeah, they want you to do extra stuff on top of that because you only exist to give them money to the extent that it's practically impossible for you, like an occult, to leave. What can you describe roughly what style? Because martial arts is all about styles. Right? Oh, she was, a, it, it belonged to a kid. Yeah, uh, Lisa was a kickboxing teacher. So it's kind of like the classic love bombing. You go in there, you, like I say, you're really nice. You enjoy it. Everyone's really nice. Everyone seems really friendly. They get you comfortable. They get you not feel, feeling like, you know, you're like you're part of something bigger and greater. And then you basically travel down that rabbit hole and you start seeing what it's really like, but you're too far gone and you're so far in that you don't know how to get out. And the only way I reason why I got out is because my group of friends were all leaving. And I remember feeling at the time when they were all leaving, why are they leaving? To the extent I couldn't take it anymore. And I was literally like, I was leaving. And I remember one of my friends was so scared to write her letter to say that she was leaving. You have to write a letter to leave. I thought you just yeah. got pay and don't turn up. No, 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 no. You have to write wow. a letter. You have to write a letter. And basically, she makes you sign a contract. It's literally, <laughs> she makes you sign a contract. You don't read. And then those terms and conditions of those contracts can change at any time. And I remember my friend was so scared of leaving. I had to write her letter for her. And That's then vulnerable, isn't it? It's terrible, man. And then she set one of her guard dogs on me, right, to get extra money. And I told her I wasn't giving in. And realistically, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to go to trading standards if you keep this up. And that's the only reason why, why they actually left me alone. But it was literally like a cult. It was every type of expo exploitation you can think of was happening there. What was their background in just kickboxing? Because it, it doesn't sound very kickboxing. It was it was kickboxing, but the thing is about the school is the school never did they did interclubs, but they never did they never did uh, fights with other schools. That's they not interclub then. Then it's just intro. No, yeah, it, it's literally it was. They never did any tournaments with other schools. The only tournaments there were were the tournaments within the schools, but they never did tournaments with other schools uh, uh, anywhere. And if they ever, and they used to actually, and I heard a story that they used to, but there was so much complaining by by uh, the business partner, right? By the partner that it was easier that the other schools didn't want to even 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 fight with them. So it was easier for them to have their tournaments within the school. So realistically, were those individuals who were going up into the grades and going up through the process? really tested by being tested with other people outside of the warm cozy confines of their school no it was a cult they're getting shielded away from the rest of the community it was like any cult like if you take for example uh they need to isolate you from yeah, the rest of the exactly if you think, exactly if you think of like and when i was talking about social proof and i was talking about jonestown the jonestown massacre jimmy jones took all his congregation of his school, of, of his church, put them in a jungle in the middle of Diana so there was no outside interferences, created a situation where they had this strange sense of reality, abusive sense of reality, yeah, and which ended up with all of those individuals dying. I'm not saying that they were going to do that at the kickboxing school, but what I am saying that diluted versions of that were possible. These individuals were being exploited, right, in, in this kickboxing school that I used to go to, 
the students were being exploited financially, the students were being exploited emotionally, you know, they're being manipulative, manipulated emotionally, you know, you can't even speak negative of, of your teacher in case you, and you have to look behind your shoulder in a lift on the way home in case you, one of her enablers hears you and she reports back to you. That ain't a school. It sounds like a cartel. It, it, that, it's, a, it's a cult, <laughs> it's mate. It's a cult. It's a cult. That it's a cult, cult. yeah. That was a cult, uh, mate. But it's a bit incomplete, though, to have kickboxing without competition. Exactly. Hmm. If you're not tested, are you, really, are you really getting the value of your teaching? If you're not tested with other people outside, outside of the parameters of your school, you're just going... It, Ratings in the belts. And they at least look good, though. The moves. Like, really no. Flashy kicks. <laughs> no. They were crap, man. <laughs> Let me tell you this. My, my three-year-old niece could probably fight better than some of them. So. <laughs> oh, dear. And she's three. So she's three years old. Yeah. So so that's uh, cult leader Lisa. Yeah. Uh, and then we, 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 we covered... Um, uh, on and off on the Gollum money making Muay Thai. Gollum, Gollum money making Muay Thai. An interesting, an interesting individual. He was a very interesting individual. A man uh, who was had a very in, who never had actually never had stepped into the ring, never no. had a fight. What for Thai yeah. boxing? Yeah, Muay Thai, right? Because As I was working. Sport. Yeah. He'd never, he'd never stepped in the ring. So I was working with, do you remember the, the Thai guy I was talking about before? Mo? The one that we talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah, Mo. Sponge, yeah, Mo, yeah. I thought you said no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Mo, right? Well, Mo, I couldn't work with Mo anymore and I was looking to find another teacher. And then, you know, I got chatting to some girl and she was like, you know what, there's this trainer, blah, blah, blah. So I, I went, uh, you know what, I, the universe was probably trying to help me avoid him. Um, and I got his number and I lost his number. I couldn't, and I rang his number and I couldn't get through to him. And then he, I was back in my, my Mac gym and I was just minding me <laughs> business. And he came over and he went, I thought you were going to give me a call. I, I should have realized that was like, that was a red flag. I was like, oh yeah. And I felt like I had to book a lesson with him. I felt it wasn't obvious, but it was all subtextual. So I ended up booking a session with him. And then there was the love bombing phase, which when you join a cult, there's a love bombing phase like it was with, with, with the kickboxing school. Everything seems great. Everything seems friendly and normal. This individual seems to be wanting me to do well, right? And then little by little, the insidiousness started dripping into the, um, into the professional relationship. Like the first warning sign was cancelled on the morning of my lesson. And he cancelled because he wanted to watch a boxing match. Right? Oh, I don't know. There's some good matches out there. I don't... <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. If I pay my money, you can record it on Sky. <laughs> I don't. I don't care about your boxing match. Don't make me care about your boxing match. You can record it on Sky and watch it when you get home. Right? And so he goes, "Yeah, I wanted to record a boxing match." What I didn't realize is, is and that's what bad teachers do. They test the boundaries. Right, because oh, if I'd have said, you know what, little things like that, too. Yeah. keep pushing, yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, your yeah, reciprocation, I, I, I reciprocated by allowing him to watch his stupid little boxing match, right? And then that started becoming a common pattern. And what I should have done, in retrospect, is say, if you want to watch a boxing match, that's absolutely fine. But let me tell you this, I won't be coming back. 
yeah because obviously you don't take you don't take your job seriously enough for me for me to be want to be a trained to be trained by you because these are the rules of engagement right so if i'd have set the parameter i don't think it would have progressed but when you're having an individual who crosses your boundaries they do small things first before they move to the big things and it was a case of cultish behavior i realize now in retrospect right so it started off with that sort of thing then it became like a financially abusive relationship in the sense of my money wasn't my money my money was this individual's money i couldn't cancel a lesson if i wanted to cancel a lesson or i couldn't come i can't come monday can you come tuesday can't come tuesday come wednesday i've got something on wednesday come after that it's it's not a case of oh you can't come i'll see you next week it's a case of you're coming whether you like it or not. And I remember I was in a yoga class and I says, oh, uh, he goes, oh, you've got a, uh, uh, we've got a session booked at 1.45. And I was in a yoga class and my yoga class didn't finish until 1.30. And I went, uh, my yoga class finishes at 1.30. He goes, well, you have to come at 1.45. I have to come at 1.45. I am paying for this. You work for him now. What? Yeah, you I work, work for, for him. him. I work for him now. Yeah, yeah I'm going to school. Uncool. My class. Yeah, my class, my class finishes at one thirty. Yeah, and I, I remember I screenshotted the conversation that says one thirty. He goes, "You're coming at one forty-five." I remember thinking, like you say, I was working for him. Yeah, I remember thinking, and this is where the cognitive dissonance should have came in. And I went, "You should sack him right now." And Fifteen I remember minutes thinking, isn't too bad, right? As, as no, one thirty. My that was he messaged me and he says, "You've got to come in at one forty-five." Sorry, sorry, 12.45, 12.45. The lesson I was in my my class, my class was an hour and a half and it finished at 1.40. Sorry, 12, 12, um, 1.30. So I have to leave something that I've already paid for as well, 45 minutes to go to a Muay Thai class because it's not my class, it's me paying him for his time when I didn't ask him to. And he also got the time wrong. So I the fact... Driving instructor like that as well. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So fundamentally, what came, we started off as a professional commercial relationship became a psychologically abusive relationship because everything was filmed on Instagram, right? Whether I liked it or not, and I wasn't even asked. Yeah. Then if it wasn't right for Instagram, I was berated for the fact it wasn't right and he couldn't film it on Instagram. And when I felt bad about that, it wasn't that deep. But this individual was berating me like two seconds before. So you have gaslighting. Right. And it wasn't just me. He was doing this to, doing this to everybody. Right. And then. Yeah. And then there there was financial abuse as well. You're being financially abused because your money isn't your money. Your money is their money. So you have a parasite. You have a financially parasitic relationship in a commercial setting where you basically decided to pay for their time. But you're paying for their time, but you're, you're paying for their time but that your money doesn't belong to you. Was it quite expensive overall? Uh, the lessons were about 50 quid at the time because we're talking like, what, a few years ago? They were, uh, they were about 50 quid. And I was with him for ages because there was so much manipulation going on. I didn't realise until I actually left how incredibly toxic that, that, that entire setup was and how it was interacting with him, especially an individual who's never even stepped in the ring and doesn't really have the experience of being in a ring. And it's a, it's a big ask. Everybody basically 
lived. He, I, I think this individual believed that no one existed except to satisfy this individual's needs because he was a popular trainer. He was gassed up by everybody and told that he was special. But how can you be special when you've never been and stepped in a ring and you've never had a fight? And anyone realistically who knows how to fight can spot that, right? Uh, and because, and that creates, a, you know, all this gassing up creates a sense of entitlement where uh, emotional and, and mental boundaries are crossed. So I had to get to a stage where I, I had to basically get away from him. And once I got away from him, I looked at what this individual was like and I was like, wow, this individual is very, very toxic. And then we had the, not, we had the lockdowns right and like um all entitled individuals they contacted me out of the blue and says do you want to do any training online on zoom and i just like i just like disconnected i was joined to added to a group which i didn't know anything about and they went oh i used to work with you before do you want to do any training over um over zoom and i just took myself out the um out of that group and they says oh why did you do that you're not cool anymore to which i had to remind them there are people dying of covid no one cares about being cool and to which they went, oh, I was only joking, minimizing, you know. And this individual was obsessed with Instagram because everything had to go on Instagram. So, yeah, this, you know, you got to be really careful when you enter into a. My my point is this: when you enter into a professional relationship with a one-to-one -one trainer, explain to them the rules of engagement. Explain to them what you're prepared to put up with. And where you're and what you're not prepared to put up with, and always remind them that you know what, I'm always I'm not afraid to walk away from you. So just remember that, and don't get uh, don't get the relationship confused because there's another another ten of you elsewhere. The, the my side on the financial aspect. I mean, if you start martial arts at a younger age, you, you don't necessarily have a lot of um, you don't have any you don't have a job, right? So there's not much financing, so you have to plan these things. Yeah, but I, I, I've been quite fortunate that um, most of the coaches that I've been with, they do the art because they like the art and yeah. they teach it. So um, in all the instances that I know of, not all, but most of the instances I know of, the coaches were willing to stay behind and do more work. And that was all voluntary. You know, they enjoy teaching. Yeah. They enjoy seeing you improve and they enjoy the art. And when I was a, a little kid, um, you know, you get the freebie class, right? Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to like take advantage of like keep signing up to like the freebie class. But I was little back then. I didn't have a job. And um, my dad being the most the stingiest person on the planet, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like actually giving me good guidance. Like in that moment, it wasn't him. He wasn't his usual self. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you can't try to squeeze three lessons out of your martial art teacher. It was a Kung Fu teacher. Yeah. And he was like, this Kung Fu teacher teaches full time. If all the students want a free lesson, is he going to eat like wind for dinner? You know, <laughs> you know, like, was he going to eat for dinner? It's not wrong. Like, everyone's getting like freebies. And then I kind of woke up, I understood like, oh yeah, you, there's a balance, right? You can't get ripped off, but at the same time, you have to pay your teachers. Otherwise, yeah. like, if, if they make it their profession, it's different if they do it as a hobby. There's a whole different thing. But if they're doing it on a professional level, you, you you can't really squeeze freebies out of them. I think that's also not right. Yeah. No, I absolutely, well. I absolutely agree. You shouldn't, you shouldn't take liberties. As a student, you shouldn't take liberties, but your teacher shouldn't take liberties with you. And you should not, you should not be in a situation where 
you are with an individual who is choosing to financially ex exploit their clients. It wasn't just me. He was financially exploiting all of his clients. And it was, to, it was for material things for status and to look good on social media. It's, it's, it was kind of really kind of quite ridiculous, really, when you think about it. You, you know, that money you were spending could have gone into investing, but you wanted to flex on the ground. So it's kind of, kind of quite sad and really kind of quite pathetic, really. But I just think that when you enter into a commercial, um, commercial relationship, just make sure that you make the person who you are choosing to have as your teacher understand there are rules of engagement and there are consequences. And never be afraid to walk away. Yeah. But did as you have student. any instances where you saw like expensive setups? Yeah. Um I've 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 seen a few but not too many. I mean uh I'm quite an uh optimist I suppose or maybe I was just lucky or blessed. Um, to have very good um, teachers and um, setups, but what one I saw was Taekwondo. Um, I'm not going to mention uh, where, when, uh, or any given specifics. I, I don't want to shame any 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 um, styles or any um, teachers, but it was you know uh, I probably have mentioned this before about the grading being uh, you know quite too often where your gear is just so brand new you haven't even actually you know spilled any blood <laughs> uh the way I, I used to be trained uh in um, goju uh where you know <laughs> you, you totally you know rough it out there and um where the teacher just wants to just you know, impose this sort of grading every few months, uh, plus all the equipment, uh, all the gear, especially when you're a kid and, you know, uh, your parents uh, have to pay for other things as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got and the tournaments coming up and, you know, you everything became very expensive um, with, with that um, dojo where I used to go to. And so I had to leave because it just didn't satisfy my soul it just like i was not used to that it was you know it was all about the gear everyone had to you know buy all the guards or the you know the chest guard um, you know what you have for taekwondo and um yeah it, it sort of it really put me off and th that this is why i joined mantis uh so i joined Steelwire mantis where i really honored the teacher and um uh, although he he had his very quirky style of teaching, um, and you know, but he really made you work, um, you know, and uh, I I felt I felt I could just carry on with it, um, you know, um, but I had to leave because uh, we moved, or you know, um, so yeah, yeah, that's my little story on that. But uh, yeah, there, there are many I've seen and I've heard. Of, uh, friends talk about it as well and you know if you if you if you if you do come from a wealthy family and you can afford everything and that's great that's that's your good fortune uh but you know it, it may be genuine it may not be genuine so you could join a martial art class and spend all the money you've got to make yourself look pretty in all the gear but if the teacher's not good and mm -hmm. your training is not really there and then you know you've not achieved anything so it's it's hard because sometimes like you get um people contribute in teaching mm. and um 
for the schools that are new, people like you you might have seen this. Um, I don't know if you guys seen this, but this happens a lot in the Kung Fu community where the teacher can't afford the rent anymore because the senior students think of themselves as like the kind of assistant coach or assistant mm. instructor and they end up not paying because they're like, oh, we're not a normal student. We're like the senior lot. So they don't pay. They kind of take liberties like, like you describe it. And then the school can't afford to run because no one's paying any fees. Wow. I've never in my entire life ever heard of such a thing. No, is that in that England? In, 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 uh, no, in, in like Hong Kong and Asia. Oh, yeah. 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 But like they, they do help to teach because the, the nature of it is that I think in a lot of these Kung Fu schools that a teacher can't overwatch everyone because of the style of training of just doing like form work uh, or carters if you know in Japanese, right? like the forms. So you rely on that the more experienced um, members of the class to help out the new people of the class. Like, and that's with all, all schools. Like, eventually, when you do BJJ and you do um, boxing or Thai boxing, you, you end up running intro classes, right? You help the school run intro classes. Mm. But it, it doesn't entitle you to not pay. I've had people fall out of their, their, their boxing gyms because they, they felt that they were a coach. And they, they felt like when they get asked that, like, to, you know, renew their membership and pay, they, they felt like quite hurt from that. So it, it is a weird one. There, there's always I think, I think if you if you are going into this thinking that you ultimately when it comes down to it, they made a decision to assist and teach as opposed to just continuing to be a student. But they've also got to take into consideration consideration. It, it is a business. Right. And. As a business, you have to pay. You have to pay whatever it is that you have to pay. Maybe you can make some sort of agreement with the teacher to pay at a reduced rate, which is fair for everybody if you're if you're teaching. But at the end, yeah, to keep the rent, keep the lights yeah. on. You got to keep yeah. those lights on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's that's one. That's a very good point. You know, this is something. You know. Uh, you know, but we have to, uh, as students, we need to keep that in, in mind, be very mindful of, you know, that uh, we live in this world where we have to pay for everything and, you know, um, those sort of classes and, you know, uh, where teachers are professionally teaching, they need to pay the rent, really. And this is similar to the yoga teachers as well, right? They, you, you've got to pay the yoga teacher. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. It is a business at the end of the day and they are giving you their knowledge so you find your knowledge. It, it's, it's not just that. I think that's a very good point. Uh, but I also think it's about valuing it. And I yeah. think um, from my limited knowledge of ancient history, um, there's still in, in, in India and other parts of Asia, they, they still you know, gave an offering to the teacher. Yes, um, you know w whether it was money, coins, or you know something else um, to value their teaching. Um, so it's always that we've got to honor somebody who's you know teaching you something. So. Exactly, you've got to show appreciation. I think it's I think it's incredibly entitled to think that because you're further along a road, that that also means that you get to travel that road for nothing. 
when when the individual who's giving you the, the benefit of their knowledge and their experience is allowing you to travel down the path that you are, that's only respectful to give them a, an offering of, of some form of appreciation. It, it depends like on the setup as well, right? If you're a bunch of friends training in a park together or in a gym and you're just having an open mat day rolling and you're just learning, collaborating, that's fine. But yeah. if you're genuinely a student and that guy is genuinely doing it for a living yeah and it's like his professional practice then then you can't take liberties on that absolutely not absolutely not yeah so there's differences i'm not saying pay for everything but there's scenarios like this where you should um and 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 the coaches that we mentioned today they're not the examples we're talking about bad coaching right so yes my one um to go with your story of like not showing on time booking my first my first ever martial art teacher was a taekwondo one that was my first one it was a big thing for me because i was tiny uh, i've always had like before then i've had like the love of martial art movies so the one in my local area my dad took me it was just a, a few minutes walk away uh it was in the back of a, a library and behind the library there's like a community multi-function multi-purpose hall Mm-hmm. So they just ran classes there after school. And there was this guy, we can call him No Show Joe Taekwondo. No Show <laughs> Joe. And he teaches Taekwondo. So, but he's No Show Joe. So he was a really good, oh, he was a really good teacher. I, I, like, back then, I thought it was really good because that was my first teacher, right? So you have a different kind of expectation. And um, he would just not turn up. But well, not tell you, but this was back in the days where we didn't have mobile phones, right? I think he would. He had our numbers, so he should have called us. And I was like a little kid, like waiting outside the the library reception area with my dad, and we'd be waiting there for forty minutes. But because back then you didn't know when he would turn up, so you you think he might be five minutes late, and then five minutes turned to ten minutes, and turn ten minutes turned to like half an hour wait, and you just go so like deflated and so disappointed, you know, uh, as a little kid. And like this would happen like regularly <laughs> that's why i would dropped out taekwondo not because of like a style issue but the the teacher didn't turn up regularly didn't turn up like he so didn't value the class yeah and it wasn't just me it wasn't a one-to-one session it was like a, no, no. a few of us but there weren't many of us i've admit it was like maybe like five or six other little kids but yeah. you know what? That's five or six little children that are disappointed, and they may have been looking forward to that all week. Yeah, I was. I was. Huh? I was very much looking forward to it. And um, yeah, no show, Joe. Taekwondo. No show, Joe, man. That's not cool. Yeah. Especially to kids, man. That's not cool. I bumped into him many years later, uh, different area. I was going past a college, and he was um, standing outside college with his um, taekwondo uniform with his students, and managed to. Tap him. I was like, "Oh, do you remember? Like in this local community library, I went to. We well, did turn up. <laughs> <laughs> then. I thought, yeah, the moment was too magical to complain about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. yeah. but it is it, sad when that happens. Like, there's a different kind of sadness to it. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's sad though. I just think because your children and the disappointment, it kind of, kind of hits you a little bit more exponentially, exponentially harder. Because you're a child and you know what? You just think they're an adult and they're going to do what they say they're going to do. You don't. The bar was set very low, right? Turning up. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to set the bar? <laughs> exactly. You're not, it's actually, you're not actually asking him to buy you Christmas presents. You're just asking him to do 
the class that he said he wanted to do. But yeah, man, that's, well, no, that's... there's a set timetable for it. So you would go to I think like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays when the Taekwondo class starts for kids. It's like the earlier session, and uh, and then uh, there was also a karate class running at the same venue. And the reason I didn't go to the karate class because like, we went to watch. I wanted to like, you know, you don't have much confidence. Mm. And the environment and what I saw, that this is really bad because I was like fat, short and weak and nerdy mm. and geeky and short-sighted. Mm. So I'm not the person to like judge, right? But when I walked in, they looked really weak. And mm. this is really bad. And this is like why, I mean, karate, like UK is really good for karate. We have like world champions made here. But the spectrum that karate has, like, I mean, if if I said it was really weak back then, it looked weak to me back then. I don't know if they were weak. Maybe they were really good. But I was just a little kid. And mm. to think that, the standard of the class, really, you need to up your game a little bit. <laughs> Fair. I can't really say I wasn't there. But if that's how, if it, that's how you felt and watching that made you feel, then that's valid. You know, if you didn't, if it didn't resonate with you. It didn't yeah. resonate with you. That's 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 valid. That's absolutely valid. But Bed, like, you you've experienced like strong karate practitioners, and you could feel the presence, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But but, but you know, genuine um, martial artists generally, not just karate, but you know, you can feel the presence. You can feel that flow you can feel the energy and especially if you if you um also doing energy work or yoga healing some sort of healing art as well you know uh, it from my experiences especially maybe i'm biased but i feel it can sense it feel someone who you know that is good you know that they are working on their art you know and you know there's there's so many examples you know just uh, so yeah, when a strong fair. person walks in a room, the room feels different. The atmosphere. It just and feels, this sounds yeah. like really loony. Yeah. I know this sounds like yeah. absolutely stupid, but like when a tiger walks in a room, you know straight away. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It, it's hard uh, to describe yeah. what it is. It's you not can't, you can't, you can't put your finger on it. It, it. it isn't. You know, you're in the presence of something different to what you're used to. Like when I had um. I had a session once with this guy and he was like, like I said, I think I mentioned him earlier, he was a world champion. And he was he was teaching me things I had never seen and I'd never heard of before. And you know you can come away from that and you just are literally wowed. You're literally wowed. You're, you're, in, you're in the presence of what I would call a true warrior when you're with a really good teacher because they know the intricacies of their craft so well, they can take whatever concept it is and make it simple and make you feel comfortable and confident enough to do it. And there is nothing more special than being around someone like that. And you also feel a safe space yeah. um, around them. You know, and they, they're, they're good. They, they can be brutal killer, but they're so good with their art and they make you feel... You know that they can manage that space, and you can feel comfortable or safe with them. Yes, learning absolutely the sense of safety that you feel with them. It's 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 like yeah, it is. There's a sense of ease. You feel like ha. Huh, I can't in any way I can describe it is is ha. Huh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm with someone I know who knows what they're doing, and that's exactly. what I. That's what I had after I had um old Gollum. 
I worked with someone like that and he was just, he just made me just go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm in safe hands here. You know, he's teaching me things I've never seen before. There's no bragging. There's no nothing. There's just learning, understanding, peace, respect, being seen. But, you know, uh, this is not uh, how everyone feels uh, um, like what you described, Georgie, because I think when someone's not ready, they're immature in in whatever martial arts they're going to do. Yeah. They may not see all this, right? They may want someone who's bragger, who's show off, who's yeah. trying to intimidate them, you yeah. know, show how many bricks they can break and, you know, you know all these sort of uh, techniques how their style is the best so this is this is where it's a trap yeah absolutely i i agree i think for, for me and i think i said this earlier for me that teacher was a match to my values because i always find it the better you are the less you have to show off how good you are because you're a tiger and the, the energy the energy of who you are and the knowledge knowledge in part you in part tells everybody who you are you don't have Absolutely. to break you don't have to break bricks they the bricks break themselves them. <laughs> the bricks can break themselves yeah the ego <laughs> changes when they don't have to prove themselves and this goes back yeah. to the root of the problem i find that if they've had so many trophies they've kicked in people's head in enough times that they don't need to do that anymore in a class yeah 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 that's 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 interesting it is it is very much so. Yeah. Are there any other bad examples or any honorary uh, commendations of crap coaches before we close? Oh, I have one honorary commendation. I worked <laughs> with... Did you have to? I did, but you asked. I've got one. It'll be a quick, be a quick one. Don't you worry. I've got, I told you, I've had loads of experiences. But um, I had worked with... Uh, I was in the process of looking for a new trainer. And I spoke to a particular lady. She was an MMA. Oh, it was Padme. Yeah, Padme. Padme was like an MMA. I'd had I'd had lessons with her before. She seemed normal, sane. She did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I decided, you know what? Well, after all these years, I was going to contact her because I was looking for someone. I got into a discussion with her, and then um, we organised the day. We organised the time. And then the day before she decided I would have to come an hour earlier to a gym I'd never been to. I didn't know where it was. There was no, uh, there was no instructions on how to get there. And I was told I shouldn't be late. So I was literally like, hey, I don't know where the gym is or whatever. So I made a decision. I wasn't going to go because it was far too, it was way too much short notice. And then I mess, she messaged me and she says, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be overseas for a few months. And I says, well, if you're going to be in overseas for a few months, that's absolutely fine. You can reorganize when you get back. I basically then made a decision. I just thought I felt very uncomfortable from this because I learned my lesson from the previous trainer. Uh, and I decided that I wasn't going to work with her. And then um, I basically messaged her and I told her I wasn't going to work with her. And she told me she knew that. And I was like, how did you know that? Because I'd only made the decision 20 minutes before. You don't know the workings of my mind. Uh, and then she goes, I knew you were going to do it. And I was literally like, this individual's being rude to me for absolutely no reason. And I'd already made the decision that once people show you who they are, believe them. So I basically messaged her back and I basically said, 
You don't know the workings of my mind, firstly. Secondly, do not feel that you can speak to me like that. It is not appropriate. It is not professional. I would expect more from you as a teacher in regards to how you engage with people on a professional basis. I feel this is not the best match for me and I don't think I want to work with you because I am absolutely disgusted and disappointed with the way that you're behaving and I remember blocking her. So for me, uh, I learned my valuable lesson from my previous experiences and I always say that in the commercial, when you're dealing in a professional business relationship, which, which is what I generally do because I normally hire one-to-one tuition. Um, if they start, yeah, I am. Well, you know what, what can I say, right? But my feeling is, is, is that we work together. I will respect you, but I will expect you to respect me and who I am and what I'm bringing to the table in the context of this relationship. And this is a, this is a meeting of me, uh, coming to you uh, coming to you asking for knowledge and you giving me knowledge but just ensuring that we work together and our values match and it was a values mismatch and I walked away from it there's a shame I, I saw looks like a, <laughs> looked like a really valid MMA practitioner they were they were an extremely valid MMA practitioner but I feel like I think I've said before that some individuals get a little gassed up, a little, you know, a little big headed and a little gassed up and they have a, and they kind of separate themselves from reality and they, they forget that, you know what, it's not their world and we all just live in it. Is that a sign of immaturity that? Um, I think it's a massive sign of immaturity. That was mentioning, yeah, where they, they still have something to prove. Yeah, I think it's a massive, you feel like you can assert authority on someone and not and and feel that you can assert your will and your authority that's a lack of professionalism and massively a lack of maturity why do you need to assert your authority you need to ask them i don't do that (laughs) why don't you ask them don't ask me (laughs) (laughs) because it comes to that question about why though is it like they they didn't have enough fights right or they didn't get the, the championship that they wanted I think I think I think I think the adulation or or the reverence or the authority the reverence and authority that people give them goes to their head. I think so. That's what I think. I think they get it. Like I said, I think it's the authority with great with, was it, with great power comes great responsibility. Spider Man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't really know much about comics, but I, I agree. I, I, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and I feel that some individuals can be quite irresponsible, and they believe that everybody exists, or they believe that people exist to bend to their will, which is really, which is really sad. Isn't that sort of? Uh, oh, if I if I may say, I'm not a qualified psychotherapist, but wouldn't that sort of go under the narcissism um, label and I don't want to label anyone but, I, um, I could, you could say that but I couldn't possibly comment <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, it's that I mean I've, I've studied a little bit as I say I'm not certified psychotherapist but I've, I've been studying narcissism yeah. uh, you know through various uh, writers and it's some of it's described you know it's it sort of goes in sort of a very low level narcissist which I think a lot of us are uh, just yeah. naturally but then there's a medium and a high level and I think some of the guys you mentioned I think sort of 
or borderline high high end narcissist. You know. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. All I can say is this. <laughs> All I can say is this, because I'm not going to go down that road. All I can say is this. When you get a congregation of people, some of them will be predators. And you that, that the, the, the whole purpose, I think, of this podcast is for people to spot the predators and not yeah. to get the next meal or the next supply. Yeah, so I think we should conclude. So for all the great experiences that these honourable coaches have given us, especially yeah. the ones named SpongeBob, uh, Cult leader Lisa, no show Taekwondo Joe. <laughs> we thank you. Oh, and uh, was it Golem Mutai Moneymaker? Yeah, Mutai Moneymaker, thank you because, yeah. It's commendable you made it on the honorary list. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I need, I, I think, I think on, on a serious note, it's good because we need to honor people who teach us these things, you know. So, well, no, not it, really. Come on. Not, <laughs> yeah, not really. You know, I'd rather not go smashed. through them, but not not them, but the teaching itself. The teaching, the teaching itself. itself. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, yeah. that's an experience, yeah, every right? Every experience is experience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You have to go out there and train with different practices. Um, I, I I don't think we're in a generation where you belong to a clan, and you have to yeah. stick to that clan, because then you lose your individualism. I find. You lose perspective as well. So, but yeah, you know, I'm. Do you know what? I am ironically grateful for the lessons. I'm grateful for the. Um, grateful for the negative because it, it taught me from that point. Oh, uh, uh, from that point forward, how certain things will be and they will not be non-negotiable. Yeah. On that note, I'd, we agree. Just go out there, train more, and, and and build more experiences. Build some positive experiences, but drive it yourself. Yeah. Yep. Thank you.